everybody. Welcome to FNS Wrestling Podcast, episode 69. Yeah. I am back in the basement with my teenage son, Jackson, to talk about some wrestling. Say hello, Jack. Hi. Well, we're a bit late getting at the podcast today because I had to coach dad, was out coaching your brother, my younger son, in a couple basketball games today. So I had to get up earlier than I get up for work on a Saturday. To That's the point exciting. where like, I woke up and no one was there. You came, woke up to an empty house and got to hang out and do nothing all day while we drove close to an hour, Yeah. had some basketball games and came home, but we got to go out for lunch, so you missed out on that. But anyways, went to Boston Pizza. Not super exciting, but... That is exciting, So actually. how did you enjoy I your like empty Boston house? Pizza. Uh, it was good. What's better than that, right? Yeah. What did you do? Played video games? Played crappy game. What uh, crappy game? 2K20. That game sucks. Really? Yeah, it's, I mean, it, I, it wasn't super glitchy. It only glitched like once yesterday, but because there's a couple of arenas that are empty arena, like one of them's like just a, a wrestling academy from the My Career. Right. And the other is uh, from the weird 2K original stuff. Like it's really just a normal arena with no fans for some reason. Right. So yeah, I wanted to play those. And then uh, some people they, that they don't have in the in 2K19, like uh, Riddle or uh, Buddy Murphy. Yeah. So yeah. And then I ate lunch and watched TV. So you had lots of fun in a big empty house. So we're back, came down here, finished up, tried to stay awake. I am exhausted. I just tried to stay awake through the main event of Impact. So we're going to talk about that at some point in the show. But I figure, I don't know, is there anything else you want to talk about? How was your week of school? Good? Um, yeah, it was fine. Yeah. Um, I had to, there's definitely more work this week. Yeah. That, that was, even then, that was like one day. So. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um. We go full gear tonight, so that's good. That is exciting. Uh, yes. We are going to uh, do our usual preview and predictions in any other wrestling business. Yep. I've got a table set up, and uh, as long as we remember, I really hope we do, we will revisit them in our uh, full review. gear review. And we do have a PA day on Monday, so I mean... That's right. No school on Monday for him, we might, so... We might even be able to um, pump it out then. Or actually, yeah. no, it does pay-per-views on Saturday, so actually... We, so. We'll get it out either Sunday or Monday, yeah. I think. We'll definitely find time. So keep your eyes peeled for that, for as sure. my mom would say. But anyways, I suppose we should get into talking about some wrestling at this Sounds point. Sounds right. We usually do, and we're going to start out taking a look at the week's news and rumors. So ratings this week. Tuesday's live WWE NXT 2.0 episode drew 603,000 viewers down a little bit again, only 4.43%, so a slight dip. And in the point, sorry, drew a 0.15 in the 18 to 49 demographic down very tiny 1.5%. So I usually like to see if there was much competition. So this week's NXT had no major Major League Baseball, NBA, or Election Night competition as they have in recent weeks. And this was... Election the, Night for what? Um, there's elections going on in the States. For... Not, the, not for president. No, I know, but for what? Just for other things, don't worry. Okay. Um, and so that was the fifth lowest audience of the year for USA Network episodes of... NXT. So again, numbers aren't great. Numbers seem to be inching down a little bit. They Wait, may hold be, on. Are you telling me people don't want to watch they, NXT? They may be losing us <laughs> at some point in that rating, for, right? We'll talk about that yeah. later. Uh, then we have Wednesday's live Full Gear Go Home edition of Dynamite drew 912,000 viewers. So up 3.87 from last week, up a tiny bit, drew a 0.34 in the key demographic, which is up just over 3% as well. Slight increase from last week, but still the second lowest viewership for a Wednesday episode since fans returned on July 7th, and the third lowest key demo rating since that for a Wednesday episode. So 
not amazing numbers, but at least a little bit of a slight uptick. Um, I, I would like to see Dynamite get over that million mark. I'm sure they would too. Uh, but They have before, right? Yep, they have several weeks in a row, I think they did. Uh, mm. But still solid numbers, slightly up. NXT, not great numbers, slightly down. What do you have for us? Um, so Xavier Woods pitched something interesting for Survivor Series in terms of like having some stakes for wait, the... Wait, wait, are they allowed to plan ahead for Survivor Series? Does he know oh. that that doesn't happen? Oh, right. They're just going to throw it together, aren't they? Yeah, that's what they... I, I find it funny because they just... Instead of doing qualifiers, they threw together their teams, right? Now they're having like jeff hardy replaced sam Zayn or something or like Aliyah's now off or like something like that and are some of those people on those teams new to those shows Many probably of them. Yeah. yeah so brand supremacy right mcintyre was just on smackdown like he just moved jeff hardy just moved to smackdown right. rollins balor and Rey mysterio just moved to raw i think owens too but now they are fiercely loyal to their <laughs> new show right. like so four people on the raw team are just getting there so really stupid right glad we don't watch it although yeah. we'll watch survivor series I'm and sure. actually um xavier woods i think is newer to um smackdown as well at least as of like he's been on raw the past year so i was just half joking <clears throat> i didn't expect that many of them to be new people i figured there'd be a couple but that's quite a bit right um anyways so he has he had a pitch for um stakes for survivor series which i will which will almost certainly be denied of course but um that the winning team would get like the final five spots in the rumble and the losing team gets the first five. Nice. As, like, I think that'd be kind of interesting. And then, like, you could maybe, like, follow up with, like, five ways or something to, like, yep. determine the specific spots. Or you can make it random. If some you want. sort of stakes, right? I think that'd be kind of interesting. Like, even I, if you just want to say it's for money, like, something. Or some everyone, get, everyone gets a title opportunity or something. Something, right? Yeah. Right. Interesting, but I, I think that's a I think that's a pretty good idea. Uh, it's a shame it will never. But it would re- involve these. them planning and putting together teams where okay, this team would be fine with the five starting, right? If we, but it just means they have to develop some sort of stories ahead of that, and they're not willing to do that. I really I think. think they should just go back to either. The, I would say they should bring NXT into it, but that's just a terrible idea Equal now. Equal third brand, remember? <laughs> right, <laughs> that's just a terrible idea now. But I think they should just go back to the format of like say drew mcintyre's feuding with roman reigns they captain teams yes very and like, simple and he like, finds people on his team right or like i don't know they i don't know but like i think that just works because at least like it, that also doesn't mean much but like i mean you could add like say roman reigns and drew mcintyre are gonna face off at the pay-per-view after survivor series yes and like then maybe their survivor series match has something onto it like i think that just works better in general because mm-hmm. like the only time i even gave a crap about survivor series was with nxt in it because i thought that was really yeah. good yeah um it was what the and, best one of recent times right sure. and then other than that like so, sure sometimes the matches are good but like yeah just as a whole pay-per-view it's not really yep there's necessary. just nothing to it and it used to be one of the big i guess they still consider it one of the big four i don't anymore it doesn't feel like one. it does not it I mean, feels like one of the lesser like i in would say ones. money in the bank should replace Agreed. it but that yes. one doesn't even feel like a big four either no and maybe it, unless they actually like yes try to do it and i feel like for the big four they should make the special entrance stages for which they do always do for wrestlemania and they did kind of do for um royal rumble and SummerSlam, like SummerSlam this year royal rumble last year in yeah. the stadium but that was only because they had to change the stage for, like, the baseball steam or whatever, but I'm talking, like... They, I, w- I miss when they made, like, unique pay-per-view stages. I think that, that was you always You do cool. miss that. Just because it... Uh, and it also helps to differentiate the shows, because otherwise it's just, like, different screens on the same, like, setup. You know what I mean? Like, it's just kind of boring. But again, WWE's motivation. They've got lazier, and they're making more money. Right. So why would they change anything? 
Right. Unfortunately. And now their like uh, usual entrance stage is just a big fat screen. Right. Like kind of like WrestleMania 35, but just scaled down. Like that's the one they use for Raw and SmackDown now. Right. Even pre-COVID, they at least had different ones for Raw and SmackDown. Like. Yep. They're always the same, but they at least differentiate from each other. Yep. Um, let me see. What do I have? So n- from the file of no surprise, Lance Archer confirmed he did suffer a concussion during his match with Eddie Kingston on oh my October God, that was a little 23rd. While ago, yeah, I, I forgot. Yeah. So if you do forget, he attempted a moonsault right off the top, ended up sort of under rotating, landing on his head. Basically, he got checked out right away by the ref and the, the doctor. And then he did go back in the ring, which probably wasn't the best move, only to go straight to the finish. He was immediately rolled up by Kingston. So obviously he is not expected to perform at full gear. He just needs to sort of recover. I don't think I saw a timetable on when he returned. Sometimes concussions are tricky, so they might not know. But he definitely was concussed, so that's why it's great that they stepped in and stopped the match. I don't think he should have been allowed back in the ring even to take the roll up. Like, just have him get counted out. What's the difference, right? Like, uh, end the match when it's head injuries, people. But anyways, he is out for a bit. Yeah, that's not great. I mean, he's not really doing much, but he's, no. he's pretty good. Yep. Um, next, I have that Carmelo Hayes and Chuck Williams lost a pre-Smackdown Dark match to the Viking Raiders. <laughs> oh, wow. So Push book, the Viking Raiders. Way to book your A champion, though. I have literally... I mean, it is a dark match, to be fair. I have basically forgotten completely about the Viking Raiders, and they are awesome. So that is very I love disappointing. Them in NXT, yeah. They are a terrific tag team by basically all accounts. It's just... They clearly have zero... No, that's res- why they didn't succeed. Terrific tag team. It's right there. They have zero respect for tag team division, right? So if right. they don't see either of these guys as a breakout single star, then that's it. It's over. Right. So exactly. too bad. I, I don't have any news after that. So everything else is wow, up to you. Wow, dropping the ball. I, I found it was a late <laughs> week. It, it was, but um, I managed to find a Good. few things. Um, I This made me very happy, even if it's not call up yet. Uh, Von Wagner made an appearance on SmackDown. <laughs> he was talking to Adam Pearce and Sam Zayn interrupted One yelling. One foot out the door, eh? Yeah, that, exactly. This is how we got, I mean, like, Cross started. I mean, he was doing both for a bit and then he was gone. So Worked out well for him. Yeah, I hope Wagner and gets Keith call, called and... up and then he's there for a few weeks and gets released. Right. That's that's the dream. <laughs> well, again, it just means they're going to replace him with somebody even less experienced when on NXT. On NXT, right? The- That's true. But I also feel bad for Kyle O'Reilly, so yes, it's more so to get him out of that, hopefully, unless they just, they're like, oh, next big guy, stand, step on up. We Probably. need someone for Kyle O'Reilly. Probably. Yeah. Because um, Kyle O'Reilly, they've decided, can't do anything or won't be come anything. he's totally capable. So. Oh, yeah. he'll. Well, I mean, he can go to, he can join Bobby Fish soon enough, hopefully. Oh, Red, I would kill for Red Dragon Me in too. AEW. Red That'd Dragon Sweet. Red they Dragon would, versus Lucha Bros. They would be respected there and, like, treated like they're actually talented performers that they are. Right. Even if, like, I feel like maybe O'Reilly could be a little above tag teaming, but in AEW, the singles division's so stacked already, I feel like... He would probably be better off yeah. red dragoning. But even though Bobby Fish is never winning, like I still, this is my favorite Bobby Fish. I'm enjoying all of his matches, right? So Yeah, Bobby Fish has been really good. I, yeah. I think red dragon would be so cool. It would and be. Since Bobby Fish has faced uh, Jungle Boy, they could do Jurassic Express versus yep. red dragon. Although I feel like, uh, I don't, didn't, I feel like I did a thing O'Reilly's contract in December or whatever. I think so. so that's I not, think Gargano that's not, that's is, isn't he too? I thought, that, I thought he was like, He's December or January, I feel yeah. like. I don't Get know. out of there. There's no way that those guys are going to choose to sign back with NXT. Yeah, especially if no dis- they see the smart move Adam Cole made. Like, right. There's yep. no way. Plus, if O'Reilly goes to AEW, that's one one 
Undisputed Era member left in NXT, and then we just need Roddy out of there, and then they're in AEW. Boom. I think it's good for even places like Impact and stuff because I think people would rather go there if you're an right, experienced even, even talent, there, right? Because you might get some focus, right? Especially you're not if you're it. a smaller star in WWE, because right. they will like even like someone like Matt Cardona, yeah, who's like definitely a bigger star in Impact than he ever was in WWE, like at least like in terms of card placement. Yes. So like even something like that is a benefit of going there. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of uh, former NXT people, uh, Ridge Holland seemingly going to go into a tag team with Sheamus. Oh, yeah. They'll just want him, Sheamus to mentor him for a bit before they break him off into a single. Again, they have no plans for any tag team. I think Cesaro. So, yeah. And I don't know. I, f- I feel bad for both of those guys in the team because I don't think Sheamus is the most interesting guy. So, no. I don't know how much that helps Holland. And then Ridge Holland is Ridge Holland. So, I feel bad for Sheamus. Holland's okay. He's fine um, for the main roster. And then... AEW Double Nothing will be returning to Las Vegas in 2022 after uh, we had it in um, Jacksonville. Right. I think this year and last year. Yep. Yeah, it was in Jacksonville this year. Yeah. It just wasn't, um, it just had the fans back, I'm pretty sure, right? I think that's right. Yeah, it did. Um, So that's cool. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I never really notice where they are. It doesn't make much difference to me. I'm not there. Except so. for when they're at Daly's place because then yeah, they change the stage because they have like that weird de- ramp that goes to the ring post and they got like that weird crowd bit there and there's just like the, the black wall there, mm-hmm. you know? Yep, you're right. Um, And then finally, Raquel Gonzalez versus Dakota Kai has been added to next week's NXT after some major storyline development on NXT. Hot shot that Obviously. feud, right? Yes. So get uh, we right will, into it. We will be talking about that very soon actually if that was your last news story yes it was all right well then let's get into talking about that hot flaming pile of garbage that is nxt 2.0 yes so this episode of nxt combined with last week is pushing me closer to your position of do we need to keep watching this because I get frustrated and borderline angry and just there's very little good coming out of this, right? So you may be getting me on your team of let's stop watching this. (laughs) It's just hard for me as somebody who's watched all of it since it first began, right? So, but I don't want to spoil too much, so let's get into talking about it, I guess. So this uh, episode of NXT starts out with Toxic Attraction, of course, because they are... NXT 2.0 right at this point. No, they're just that good. Yep. They make their way to the ring as commentary are welcoming us to the show. And right away, we're going to get a six-person tag match with Toxic Attraction. All three members taking on Casey, Catanzaro, Caden Carter, and Io Shirai. So this sort of came about during last week's show, right? As Catanzaro and Carter kind of randomly, I think, came out to make the save of Io Shirai, right? As she was trying to fight off all three members of Toxic Attraction. Yeah. Um, so Carter and Kat and Zaro have new outfits and now they're entering through the crowd, right? And they're it's so dumb. They're handing out like bracelets to the kids. Is that like, what it was? I have handouts. They're, they're all glittery. It's like a knockoff Naomi thing. It's basically like another one of their singular trait gimmicks. It was similar to Naomi. You're right. It except, was that kind of vibe. Except Well, yeah, I don't know. Anyways, I didn't notice what they were handing out. I just had to note they were handing out something. So it was bracelets. Uh, yeah, and they're dancing around, and Io's just sort of shaking her head in the ring, which I thought was a nice touch, because she doesn't like anyone, as it's her gimmick right now, right? Oh, and this is dumb. I did, whatever, I don't know. Uh, so Carter and Rose start out the match, and they do almost nothing, and then Rose tags in Dolan, who controls Carter uh, with some kicks and a Hurricane Rana, 
And then JC Jane's in. She tries to somersault through the ropes. She needs to stop doing moves where she dives through the ropes, right? Last week, it, or whatever week, it was a suicide dive where she almost killed herself. Now it's... I think she was diving through the ropes um, into a neck breaker, but she caught her feet again and sort of falls in the ring this time at least and then tries to save it and hits the move anyways, but she needs to stop doing this, really. Uh, EO then tags in, hits a body slam and a handstand double knees to the stomach of Jane. We get double teaming by Catanzaro and Carter and with a trip and a diving kick and a slingshot senton. Catanzaro and Carter each hit a dive to Toxic Attraction on the outside, but Rose catches a running EO, hits a spine buster in the ring. We get a chin lock by Mandy Rose after a commercial break. Catanzaro needs to make a tag. We get, I called it an inverted T-bone by Mandy Rose. I'm not sure what it was. It didn't actually look great either. Uh, I don't know, but I, I do remember she kind of botched it. And then she just goes into a body scissors for like quite a while, which is always exciting. Yeah, and they're like, oh, she's not giving up or whatever. And I'm like, no, duh, it's a body scissors. Well, I guess it's the idea of Mandy's big, powerful legs should be, it should be painful. But anyways. Or in what they would say, big, sexy legs. Right. EO tags in, hits shoulder tackles and a body slam to Dolan. So I kind of felt like EO was like really basic stuff for her here. I mean, she did a couple of her usual moves, but it's like shoulder tackles and body slams, really? Right. Anyways, Rose is back in. She takes a flapjack and the running double knees from EO for two. Moonsault by EO with toxic attraction have to break up the pinfall. Carter tags in, cleans house, including uh, that kick splash combo she does in the corner, right? Yeah, very uh, convoluted. Yeah, it re requires a bit of a setup by her opponents. One has to be standing against the corner, and, and one, one has, has to, be... to flop on the ground right. right in front of them. So yeah, it's a little bit uh, contrived, it feels like. But anyways, Cat and Zero and Eo take out Mandy and uh, Jane on the floor. This allows Dolan to hit some abdominal stretch, like crucifix pinfall thing, to pick up the win in just it's under not great. thirteen minutes. What did you think? Yeah, that, that move just doesn't look very impactful. No. Like, this is not a good way to start the show. Uh, I guess I'm glad that we didn't start with some crappy promo segment, but instead we get a crappy match. And a long one by 2.0 standards. Yeah. Uh, there were there was a lot of sloppiness here, a regular, and a regular complaint for Karin Kanzaro is how contrived some of their moves are. Yeah. And that just doesn't help here. Dolan's finishing moves pretty lame, so it just, which is typical of NXT 2.0 stars, and it just... It, it doesn't look impactful. There are some botches. Like, there's just nothing really that redeemable here. No, I called it underwhelming, right? Like, it was just... It got 13 minutes, which is a decent chunk of time, but, like... I don't even think it earned 13 what minutes. What was memorable, or what did you take away from this? Like, nothing for me. Uh, like, for me, you could have added time to the main event, which yeah, I will yeah, get to. Yeah, we'll get to that. The pace wasn't very good, I didn't think, here. There were some clear mistakes along the way. Overall, there's no real story or anything memorable about this. Was it bad? Probably not, but I don't think it was good either. I think it was definitely bad at times. Yeah, there was a couple spots for sure. And I'm probably reading too much into this, but I thought EO seemed to just kind of... not. I don't want to say going through the motions, because that's implying she's not a professional, but I don't think she I had think, the energy she normally I does. think she might have been going through the motions, because there's a lot of inexperienced talent here, so maybe right. that's what she had to do. I don't think it has that much to do with her. So it might not be that right that she's going through the motions, but that she has to scale back what she's she can do the motions to work for with other these people. people or something. Right? Right. Because she's not working with Candice LeRae or Dakota Kai or somebody or who like can Raquel keep even. up. Yes. Like, 
So again, it was like shoulder tackles and body slams, which is not what we normally get out of EO. Right. And again, could be she's not interested or it's just that the others can't hang, so she's keeping it simple. I wouldn't blame her for either. No. Um, either way, EO didn't look like the star that she is in a, what I thought was a pretty mediocre opening match, but we got to have toxic attraction, so we got it out of our system right away. Mackenzie's mm-hmm. then backstage talking to Pete Dunn. Yeah, I wrote Pete Dunn interview woohoo. Yes, she asked about Tony D'Angelo insulting Dunn last week. Dunn says Tony knows where to find him if he wants to. Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams interrupt. Trick speaks really quickly and unintelligibly. I don't know what he was saying, and I didn't care enough I to don't try. Like him. Um, and so it ends with Dunn asking basically for a match with Hayes and Hayes granting that match, which we'll actually get tonight. Thoughts? Uh, I thought it was good to see Dunn back. Um, if he has to feel stupid Tony D'Angelo and he loses, I will actually cry. Yep. Like, that would actually make me sad. <laughs> but I do love the prospect of him versus Hayes, even if they are both heels. Yep. Yeah, they, that is kind of strange. It's just, it, it, is, it is an appealing match, though. I thought Trick was awful here and needs to not do whatever he did there with the quick talking. I don't know if that's cool or not. I don't know if but... it's supposed to be, like... Hip hop or something. Yeah, like I don't know. Esque. Didn't come across to me. But Hit Row does that infinitely better. Right. Uh, the rest of this was fine, and I thought it could lead to a decent match too. So that's a good match on this show. Hopefully, I mean we'll get there. But so I was okay with it. But I honestly don't think Trick Williams does anything for Carmelo no, Hayes. No, he's so far he's only ever detracted from Hayes. Yeah, Zach. Carmelo Hayes is cool, and he's less cool with this guy. So right, and it's taken promo time from. Yes. He is in his segments. Right. And it also detracts from him being the North American champion. And anytime um, Williams has been in the ring, he hasn't looked right. good either. So. I feel like he's a benefit from A, no partner, or B, a new partner. But you got to pair every rookie up with a veteran, I guess. Uh, toxic Attraction are still on the ramp as Kaylee Ray's music hits. Right, she... yeah. They're only there, I think, for that sole purpose, oh, I right? Think so Which too. I feel like felt kind of unnatural because it's just like oh they're still here yeah they took their sweet time backing up the ramp so kaylee ray makes her way to the ring passes by toxic attraction attraction sorry attraction oof trash they are trash Uh, right freudian slip um and that basically they sort of have a moment there where they're a bit of a stare down i guess sort of foreshadowing champa did it better a title match hopefully um so msk we're f- back to them. So they oh. are picking up where they left off last week, I guess, because they're still outside walking around looking to find the guy. Are we ap- meant to believe they're walking around for a week? I guess so. <laughs> Just like the guy that's been in a trunk for however many weeks right. he was in. Um, so I guess they're looking for the guy that came up with their name because we're all supposed to care so much about where their name co- came from. I don't. Not to- Me neither. <laughs> And they find that the person has moved, and they put a sign in the window, because that's what you do when you move, of where he is now, I guess. Um, Wesley is kind of upset about this, and says something about you can never trust a shaman, but Carter says they'll have to come go and see him anyways, and it's 420 miles away, I think, haha. We're getting back to some oh, of the pot smoking references. That was their gimmick in uh, Impact Wrestling, so I don't know if they're allowed to start making reference to that again here. So they said they're going to fly there. Carter says he's flying right now. I think the implication that he's high, I don't know. Lee says they should um, that they should show change clothes. Sorry, go change clothes and meet back at the airport. Carter asks if they're joining the Mile High Club. There's some sort of joke there, I guess. Again, about smoking pot. 
I don't know. What did you think about this segment? I, I there's a I lot of me going. I, I don't pick know. Up man. on those, like, but I, it doesn't make sense. It confused me very much. Made no sense. They don't speak right either, and this did nothing. I have no idea what this was about. I found this segment incredibly annoying, and it doesn't do anything for MSK. They kind of look like idiots here, kind of like comedy. I don't even know what they're going for. Lower card. And obviously, we're gonna be forced to watch this quest probably for weeks to come, and I don't. I'm surprised they didn't have they resisted the temptation to make this a three part segment. I don't know if they think they've generated interest in what MSK's name is, but they haven't, right? Like I don't know anybody that cares. Other than when they first debuted, I did hear some people like trying to speculate on what it would stand for, which one of the possibilities but- was marijuana smoking kids. But like <laughs> since since then nobody like, cares. I feel like and that was also when they were yet to be revealed. Right. And I don't know, the title run did nothing for them. This is doing nothing for them. And I like to watch these guys in the ring, but they are struggling everywhere else for me. We then get uh, a match between Saray and Kaylee Ray. So on paper, this should be a pretty terrific match because Saray is good. Kaylee Ray is awesome, right? So anyways, they do shake hands to start. So I'm still not sure if Kaylee Ray is a heel or a face at she this point. She is a heel. She is a heel for sure? I am almost positive. Okay. Uh, Kaylee Ray pulls Saray into a clothesline off the handshake, which is pretty heelish, so I guess that makes sense. Uh, Kaylee Ray dominates with aggressive stomps and strikes until a string bo- springboard arm drag by Saray sort of slows her down. Brief flurry by Saray before Kaylee Ray lands some more strikes. We get a kick in the corner and a DDT from the second rope by Saray. We get a roll-up transitioned into a really deep, good-looking single-leg crab, right? Like, and honestly, that's mostly Kaylee Ray just being flexible enough to be able to bend back that far. It looked cool. We get a rope break there for Kaylee Ray. Fisherman suplex by Saray for two. Super kick by Kaylee Ray, but a forearm by Saray. Kaylee Ray is um, sort of sitting in the ropes, avoids that usually pretty awesome looking drop kick that Saray hits to her opponents leaning against the ropes. And then uh, Kaylee Ray follows her to the floor, hits the God, the, the KLR bomb. No. <laughs> which is annoying. It's just lazy, right? And that move already has a name, but anyways. So she hits it Not on... Not only that, but a name that's like, that means something. Yes. Uh, she hits it on the announce table, then takes Saray in the ring and hits another which one there. Which for me, that's like when Dunn tries to X-Plex someone on the apron when he's It's on less the floor. impactful than dropping them to the if mat. If Dunn did an X-Plex on the apron while standing on the apron, that's different. Right. But... And I think there's one coming up, isn't there? So... Kaylee Ray picks up the win here in just under five minutes. What did you think of this, like, medium-length match for... for... Um, I thought it was fine. If some of these um, on the show, I'll say, if this one felt really short, I don't think either of these women got to showcase their true skill, especially against each other. I agree. As this is too short to be anything great, and they have much more potential. Uh, this was promising, but just couldn't deliver because they refused to put on normal-length matches that have quality. <laughs> that seems to be very true for the most part. So I thought this, I mean, it was a bit more than an enhancement match, and it was fine while it lasted. And it seems like they either can't decide what to do with Saray, or her stock has fallen, right? Because they kind of hyped her up for weeks as coming soon, coming and soon. And she started off strong. She's won some squash matches. And and she faced Stark, which was good. Right. Um, and this, I know she was really hyped when she arrived, and now sort of not so much. She's one step above enhancement talent, it seems. Or like the gatekeeper for the women's division. I don't know. But anyways, I'm glad to see Kaylee Ray get the win. But she still, like you said for sure, has not fully showcased her talents. And in new NXT, I don't know if she'll get to, right? Who is she going to wrestle that can really show... When she will could, she even get the time? It could be EO, 
I guess. Dakota Kai, maybe. But other than that, it's going to be... face Dakota. All inexperienced people, but anyways. And she won't even get time anyways, because no. the matches are short. Joe Gacy is talking to Mackenzie Mitchell. Mackenzie asks why Gacy asked for a match against Boa. Gacy says Boa needs to hide his true self, which is a tragedy. He hopes Boa can become his true self, and then says that Harlan should be comfortable in his own skin, sort of shifting topics really quickly. He basically sticks out his hand, I think, um, asks Harlan wherever he is to reach out, because tonight he's doing this for both of them. What'd you think of this little promo? Um, I thought this was fine. Uh, his promos don't really feel super different from one another. And while I am watching and listening, I promise. Uh, <laughs> but it these never seem to stick in my memory that different from each other. Because every time... They're similar, for sure. Every time I find myself trying to go to talk about this, I can't come up with anything specific. Right. I'm just like, man, this is fine. Like, it has, like, the buzzwords or whatever. And, like... Yep. And, like, I, these just don't do much for me. It just does not stick. Like, every time I'm going to talk about this, I just don't. I think his words, you're right, are very similar every time. It's the vibe is getting a bit different. He's getting a little more, like, cult leadery or something along those lines. Sort of mischievous. I don't know, menacing, whatever you want to use the word. Uh, so he feels bad for Boa for not being able to be his authentic self, which is kind of makes sense with the character and then he shifted gears and did some more creepy stuff and sort of was beckoning to his only follower at this point in harland um i don't know so far i think this ridiculous gimmick it is ridiculous but it could it's working better than most of the stuff in nxt for me i'll put it that way i mean like, i'm not yeah, saying i, I love saying. it but it's i don't better. think it's the highest bar but i yeah right. i agree we then get a video package focusing on braun breaker at the wwe uk tour last week he says that um, all the things he's supposed to say, right, about how great it was being on tour and traveling to the UK and how he basically learned See, things. See, kids touring with WWE is fun. He learned some more things from other wrestlers while he was there. I think he refers to it earning his PhD in wrestling. And then it ends with Breaker saying that he's coming back to the States to kick Champa's ass. So it looks like that's going to continue. Even though he just fought Champa in the UK, but whatever. Right. That's details they didn't mention. We then get Boa with face paint after last week because he's sort of absorbed Mei Ying or I don't know but anyways there's something going on there and he's taken on Joe Gacy so we get a roll up and a drop kick by Boa after some early strikes by Gacy backbreaker by Gacy for a near fall vertical suplex by Gacy for a two count neck vice by Gacy but Boa backs into the corner and rolls through to escape kicks and knees by Boa before a butterfly suplex I was like wow something other than kicks from Boa that's crazy. I know. Um, lights start flickering mid-match. And, of like, course. the brooding music. You know place. how I love supernatural stuff. Boa seems to, like, power up, and he applies the Tongan death grip to Gacy. Gacy sort of falls into the ropes from the effects of that hold, but Boa refuses to release the hold, and he gets DQ'd in just over three minutes, and then Boa leaves the ring. Go ahead. Um, another short match, but this time with the lame DQ finish. The weird lighting and stuff in them was stupid. The finish was lazy. The action leading up to that was literally nothing of note. Yep. Yeah. Um, so I imagine this is getting us Harlan killing Boa in the future. Is that, I don't know. But anyways, again, well, yeah, this was... why would they book him strong? It was nothing really, but I guess something a little bit different for Boa. He showed a little more offense. There was something more than just kicks and strikes. Um, still not much. And I guess he's channeling Mei Ying or something at this point. I don't really Maybe know. Maybe she's possessing him. Yeah. 
Uh, at least it's some sort of character progression, I guess, as mild as it is. It doesn't feel like something I'll enjoy because supernatural things and suddenly controlling lights and sound and powering up is not generally something doesn't, I want to see. It doesn't sound like something I will enjoy because NXT. Right. Uh, we then get a recap of Kushida and uh, Ikamanjiro in their wrestling, like amateur wrestling gear from last week, talking about their match against the Creed Brothers. The recap then we're shown is kind of being projected in the diamond mine as they're all watching it. And Malcolm Bivens calls them Millie Vanillies pretending to be the Creed brothers. I understood that reference. You do. you right. We think we've explained that to you yeah. as children well, of the 80s. The oh, and from Goldberg's, right? Yeah. Uh, so tonight he says the Creed brothers will show them. Thoughts? Uh, wasn't very... It was fine. Yeah, it was, that's what I said too. As far as the segments go on this show... At least this one made sense, and nobody looks stupid. So that's a win. <laughs> that's all you can ask for. Right. Uh, Mackenzie is backstage with Solo Sokoa. She tries to interview him, but Grayson Waller interrupts. Waller says that LA Knight was backstage saying Solo is named Solo because he can't get girls. Because that's Waller's matters. new baby face gimmick, question mark, is that all he is obsessed with with women, right? And, like, everyone else has to get a girl. Like, he, Grimes has to get a girl. Right. right. And if you can't, he mocks you. Um, right. But he's a baby face Or he'll somehow. help you get one for some reason. Uh, L.A. Knight shows up and says um, he'll say whatever he has to. Or, sorry, he that if he'll he were going to say something, his, he would face. say it to their face, right? So he's saying to Solo Sakai, if I wanted to say that about you, I'd say it to your face. Uh, Solo says he handles things. Like they do on the street, and he calls for a triple threat match, taking on these two, which we'll get. He leaves. Knight and Waller argue about whose fault it is, because of course, especially LA Knight, the veteran wrestler, has to be terrified about taking on this rookie Solo Sokoa, right? Everybody's scared of the new guys, I guess, in this company. Um, especially when they're big and or Simone Savages. So I like Waller. I have trouble finding him ba very much a babyface. I guess this promo was fine. And, yeah, both of these guys have to be afraid of the rookie Sokoa. And I just feel like there's so many segments where nobody really comes away looking good, right? Like, I don't know. Like this? Yeah, Sokoa's supposed to look good here, I guess. I don't know. Is he? They did know. a bad job of Anyways. it. Anyways. So we get, I have trouble even saying this name. It is Jacket Time, which is Jiro and Kushida in a tag team taking on the Creed Brothers. Uh, so and the, the theme for Jacket Time is so just awful it's I, I don't like the name i don't like it's jacket time like kushida's being reduced to like a comedy low mid card now right it seems jiro that's kind of his spot i get it and i don't really mind that for him but anyways so julius takes down jiro right away the creed slap each other in the face to make a tag brutus slams jiro as well jiro tags kushida who starts working on brutus's arm julius is back in he throws kushida around a little bit kushida hits the handspring back elbow to both of the his opponents tags in jiro for uh, some of his jacket punches we get a double handspring kick to send the creeds to the floor heading into a commercial break kushida is then on fire after the break with kicks and a running cross body we get more double team offense from the baby faces the top rope sent on by jiro for two Julius then rips off Jiro's jacket. How dare he? And Rod Roderick Strong ends up low bridging Jiro to the floor. When Jiro gets back in, Julius hits a doctor bomb and the Creeds pick up the win in a, about... A shaky doctor bomb. It was. In about five minutes. Odyssey Jones then runs down, attacks Roderick Strong, and the baby faces clear diamond mine from the ring as the crowd chants for Odyssey Jones. This We talked about this. Are Is this crowd plants? 
Or are they just like really? It really feels like it. Plants or just NXT fans that are willing to do whatever they're supposed to do, right? I guess because it, it. I feel like they maybe weed out the fans or something. Maybe I, it feels like these people are programmed as to what to do because I have a hard time believing a crowd's chanting for Odyssey Jones, but that's just me. Right, and they they seem to chant for whatever they're supposed to. That, right. Yes. Uh, what did you think of this match? Um. I thought it was fine, I guess. The action was solid, but again, felt way too short. Had a screwy finish again. Nothing interesting here either. Aussie Jones' existence at the end was nothing. And I don't understand his placement here because he's not cruiserweight. He is not a cruiserweight. He's double the size of a cruiserweight. Right? They tell us he's over 400 pounds. I thought this was a decent TV match by NXT standards. Like, five minutes is like, wow, we got five minutes. Wow. Right? The finish seemed kind of weird to me. Like, where did Kushida and Brutus go? They were just nowhere to be seen for quite a while. I think they were involved in something on the floor, but it was a really long time, and we weren't really shown much. So um, Jacket Time got some time on offense here, which I wasn't sure would happen. And it's just, I'm just wondering what's going on with Kushida, right? Is his start, well, there you go. Sorry, why am I wondering? He's a veteran, and he's small, so they have no place for him, right? You should have seen that coming. He has no home here anymore. So now he's just part of a comedy tag team that I imagine would only win Which very rarely. Which I feel rarely. like if they actually were serious about that, that would be a solid team. But And I guess we're going to get Odyssey Jones in a six-man tag, I'm thinking, first, before he gets Roddy on his yes, own. Yes, which I find it weird. So it's a big man and a cruiserweight tag team versus a cruiserweight and a big man tag team. They're just going to... It's probably just designed to make Odyssey Jones look like a monster. Right. Because he's young and big. Right, exactly. Toxic Attraction, again, they're walking through the parking lot and the talking to... The most dangerous to place in the history of pro wrestling, talking or at least NXT. to somebody, the cameraman, I guess. We don't see anybody... JC Jane says they're going to be holding the titles for a long time. GD Dolan says they're going to have to pry them off their hot, dead bodies because we got to get a reference to how hot they are quickly. Rose says Even that... Even though they're not, really. Rose says she wasn't intimidated by Kaylee Ray, and if she thinks she's next, she can take a number. Raquel drives up on her motorbike, very Undertaker style, says she deal... Which I, I can guarantee that's why they're doing it. Yes, that. she'll deal with Mandy Rose later. Which I feel odd, because she always gets the Diesel comparison, so like... Well, yeah. That's kind of weird. And that Mandy should keep her title warm for her. My comments on this, they're still champions, they're still hot, that is all. <laughs> Pretty much, right? Um, I was really hoping they wouldn't survive, considering they didn't have luggage or a vehicle. I guess they did have titles, yeah, which is the only thing They're supposed to get beaten down. Right. Uh, Mandy's hair is black now, I think. may have been dark lighting, but I did look back when I saw a clip, and her hair is black, which is worse than brown. But at the end <laughs> of the day, I find it difficult to actually care about anything Mandy Rose does. It's just, I don't, that, like, since it's difficult to pay attention, I get to notice other stuff. And Raquel looks super stupid. Raquel did? Yes. Okay. So she continues, takes off on the motorcycle, rides it right to the ring. She gets in the ring to speak to us. She came out to address Dakota Kai, even though Mandy Rose is holding her title. She calls Dakota Kai out. Kai's music hits, and she comes out laughing. She says it felt good to hit Raquel with the shovel. Then Cora Jade runs out and attacks her, and then Kai just leaves for the back. Uh, Raquel grabs Jade momentarily and says that lets her know that Kai is hers first. Thoughts? Uh, I have nothing that really to say. She called out Kai, who came, and then almost immediately got attacked. There was no storyline development whatsoever. There was no promo to be found here. Why the hell does Cora Jade even need to be here? Like, all that happened was she lost a squash. Like, there's no reason that they need to get a story out of that. Happens to, like, three or four people every week, literally. Right. 
and you don't see them trying to follow up. Right. And the interaction between Jade and Gonzalez is just awkward. So, I, I, same thing. Like, they can't stop themselves and actually develop a story, right? They have to insert a rookie into what could be, although I feel like we've already been down this road with Gonzalez and they, Kai, yeah, right? I don't, it's not I don't, fresh. I don't, and I don't feel like they need to go the trilogy route every time. But at least it's like two people that can wrestle in a program together. But then we've got a shoehorn a rookie in there right because everybody's got to be paired up with somebody with experience so this was pretty much a waste of time i thought uh andre chase university segment he says that his university breeds winners he asks who's a winner then yells at all the students to put their hands up and he starts talking about mental toughness being the key somebody named gabriel i think it was asks about the microphone issues last week where he sort of whipped the mic into the announce table because it didn't work. And another student sort of comes to Chase's defense, right, and says it was just technical issues or something. Tries to explain it away anyways. Um, so Chase yells at Gabriel for being critical, says that he would have said what the other student said basically in his defense and then tells Gabriel to leave. I don't know. What would you think of this? I thought it was fine, but they need to bear like need a variety here it's just the same chase, segment every week chase teaches a lesson someone speaks against them he kicks them out there's a slight difference of someone supporting chase but they need to stray further from their basic formula for these otherwise they'll start to feel repetitive and i won't care and again yes i same comments he felt feels like the same Which segment this is every one week. of the things i was kind of interested in yeah i'm pretty much out on this now as well who would enroll at this university is the student he likes or that supported him like a new wrestler we're going to meet? I bet it is, right? And this this show's a struggle. This is the first time in my notes it says, this show is a struggle. Because I just don't know what's going on. And they don't want to tell me what's going on. And they're not going to give anything enough time to develop anything. It's like, I don't know. Anyways, I don't want to sound like the old man yelling at clouds. But this is not for my generation. This is for people with um, shorter attention spans. Shall try and be diplomatic, I feel like. Uh, so we get a recap of the Grimes, Hudson poker nonsense, because that's something we needed to revisit yeah. for sure. And Grimes will be in action next. And now they decided we need to make another tag team look ridiculous. So who still looks kind of cool? Oh, the grizzled young veterans. So let's just let's... make them look stupid. Oh, Here... wait, there's something so cool. No, get rid of it. Um, so they're somewhere getting out of a car. And they're doing what they're calling urban training, which essentially is cheating people out of food by using getting a hold of their phones and using the Uber apps to steal from unsuspecting people. Doesn't that sound amazing? And they have it on a whiteboard like a child or, for example, let's say home alone. Right. Uh, Gibson says... This is a lesson, I guess. If you can distract a complete stranger and steal their phone and steal a bunch of food, then you can easily distract a referee. Which one? I mean... <laughs> You're like, can't even get a sentence together like, here. Like, I guess. No, that, does, that doesn't... Like, I see where it kind of makes sense, but at the same time, no, that does not make sense. But yeah, like, I, I don't know what's going on here. I don't know how this helps anyone. They've decided to take every veteran tag team, if you think about it, and make them look stupid tonight. And I think this might be so far among... This is about my least favorite episode of 2.0. This one made me really mad. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Uh, we get Cameron Grimes taken on Rue Feng. 
Fang misses a kick. Grime lands some strikes. Taunts Fang a little bit. Fang lands some kicks. Hooks in an abdominal stretch as, of course, Duke Hudson approaches the ring. Grimes takes over with running forearms, a running boot in the corner. Top rope crossbody by Grimes. Cave in, and it's over in less than two minutes. A shoddy cave in, too. Hudson has a microphone, complains about Grimes beating him at poster, poker last week, and he's getting what chance? The crowds are just not interested in this guy at all, as they should not be. So I guess this is one time maybe they're not helping, because to me, what chance are like, we don't want to listen to what you have to say. To me, what chance aren't like, you're getting the heel heat you're supposed to get. They're like, I don't, maybe I'm wrong. To me, they're like, we don't even want to hear you talk. So that's what he's getting here. Hudson asks if Grimes got lucky or if he knew what he was doing and, like, duped Hudson. Grimes says everybody watched him beat Duke, and it was fun. Hudson calls Grimes a hick, says he'll never again lose to a troll like Grimes. Grimes says he's been called names before, but Cameron Grimes holds it down in the ring and at the poker table or on Wall Street. He may play dumb, but last week, he played Hudson. Hudson says no one hustles him, and he won't let this go. Next week, in the ring, they'll have a poker showdown. Thoughts on the match and the post-match shenanigans. Um, so another average NXT 2.0 squash match. I have nothing to say about the match other than the cave-in Grimes hit was... Not and, great. It ended up almost being like one foot. Connected, which has kinda. happened before, but I feel like it looked worse yeah. here. Aftermath took way too long to get us where we needed to be. It could easily could have been accomplished in a, a quarter of the time with Duke just going like, Hey, nobody beats me in poker. I'm challenging you a dumb thing next week. Yep. Like, took way too long. The plus side for me was I liked when Grimes got serious and kind of ditched the uh, overacting comedy thing and got a little bit serious. I liked that. But yes, this is the standard NXT squash match that we get three, four times a week. And it's supposed to be more about the angle afterward than the match. But that angle is garbage too. These are not real people. I feel like I'm watching a very poorly drawn cartoon. Virtually every character and story bears no resemblance to things that actually happen or to people that actually exist in the world, right? This is a separate universe where everything is just ridiculous comedy and just not interesting. That's why when one of them gets a slightly believable angle like Braun Breaker, right? We've talked about this. The fact that his story makes sense and is a story a real person might have, like, I'm an overconfident... Whether rookie. I like him or not. Right. At least it's something that could happen in real life as opposed to this kind of stuff. So it feels refreshing because he feels like less of a cartoon than basically everybody else. But anyways, LA Knight is skipping in the locker room to get ready for his match. Uh, Sonny, so Sonny Sokoa, whatever his name is, Solo uh, Sokoa... Sonny Siaki is, or whatever. ...is hitting uh, a heavy bag. And I did enjoy this. Waller is swiping on his phone like he's in a dating app, you know what I mean? Swiping, swiping right. So that was kind of funny. Yeah. Their match is next. It is next. And Sokoa starts out punching both opponents. Waller and Knight make a uh, quick agreement, but Sokoa lands clotheslines to both of them and then hits a splash to Waller before they can execute much of their uh, alliance. Knight low bridges. Waller punches him out on the floor. Sokoa pulls Knight into the ring, lands knees. Before Waller now takes his turn, low bridges Knight, and he falls to the floor. The heels do work together. They double suplex Sokoa and Knight, and Waller take turns hitting elbow drops. The heels fight over who gets to superplex Sokoa. Obviously, that takes too long, and Sokoa Which ends I up... Which don't, I don't understand that. Sokoa ends up hitting a powerbomb to both of them at the same time off the second rope. 
We get a running hip attack to Waller in the corner, but Knight avoids his and hits a neckbreaker to Sokoa. Waller hits Knight with the rolling stunner, and Sokoa throws Waller over the ropes to the floor that actually looked kind of good. It was a simple just throw him over, but Waller kind of sold it well. Um, and, he, and then Sokoa hits a top rope splash to LA Knight for the win, and obviously this rookie can beat these two guys in about five minutes. Thoughts? Uh, let's... I thought this was actually, like, decent. Uh, it didn't feel as short as some of the previous matches. I didn't mind the double-teaming and one-upsmanship between Waller and Knight. It was something there. I guess it just sucks this, this is what the best they have for Waller and even Knight to an extent. Sokoa looked okay. Yeah, I thought this was nothing special. Like, Sokoa didn't look supremely dominant here, and Waller and Knight certainly look weak. So if that's what you're going for, I guess, you know what I mean? Like, the two of them lose to a rookie, obviously. Ugh, this match did nothing for me. Mackenzie then talks to Indy Hartwell and Persia Parada. Mackenzie asks Indy and Persia what's next for them. They talk about almost winning the women's tag team titles. Indy says she had her hands on the titles, much like she has her hands on Sexy Dexy every night. Yeah. <sighs> Tony D'Angelo comes in, interrupts, says he's looking for Dexter, and when he's done with her next week, she'll be back on the market. I guess he's going to murder Dexter. I don't know. Anyways, he gives her a dead fish to give no, to Dexter. No, I bet he'll... Cause, d- have you ever seen Deadpool? Because mafia stereotypes. Yes. Uh, he's going to do that. Maybe. Uh, what did you think of this? No. Bad. <laughs> Dumb. My notes. Dumb. This was awful on all fronts. This show is making me angry this week. I am losing hope. It's uh, good for you. You only lost hope this week. Right. Well, I mean, further lost hope. I think it started a oh, while ago. Good for you. You're starting late. Legato are walking backstage. Elector Lopez hopes that Zion Quinn is watching oh because everybody God. needs to have somebody they are... Has to have a crush. NXT 2.0 Crush Edition. Uh, high School Musical NXT 2.0 Edition. <laughs> uh, so we get another UK tour video with Champa talking about defending his title this time. Talks about how everybody is growing. He speaks highly of Braun Breaker, but no one can make up for his 17 years of experience. Sure. I'm disappointed we didn't get a UK tour promo from Sami Zayn here because he was facing them. So he was. I find that disrespectful. We then get Elector Lopez taking on newcomer Erica Yan, who we sort of saw for a few moments on 205 Live as we were Which randomly she's doing the job flipping here. through. So she's a very fit crossfitter. And uh, anyways, arm drag by Yan right away, but Lopez blocks the second one, starts to beat down Erica Yan. We get a choke in the ropes by Lopez, and she slaps and taunts Yan. Suplex by Lopez, awkward-looking powerbomb, and Lopez wins in less than a minute and a half. Yeah, it's like a crappy blue thunder bomb or something. Did not look very good. Lopez gets on the mic and says that she gets what she wants, and she wants Zion Quinn. Crush, 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 crush. Yeah. Uh, sorry, his music hits. He walks out. She says that Quinn turned her head, and he looked very impressive. She offers Quinn a spot in Legato. Quinn says Lopez is amazing, but he can't get down with Legato. Legato says that Legato, sorry, says that no one turns them down, and of course they go to attack. But as we know, rookies beat two veterans easily every time. And he's big. And he does take them out and restrains Lopez. In what is supposed to, I think, look like they're creating some sexual tension between these two. Yes. Because that's what I watch wrestling for. Urgh! Yes. No, Anyways. I actually liked it. And and then sort I'm of... I'm just kidding. Lopez then sort of stops Legato from going after Quinn again. What did you think? Because Zion Quinn is hot. Yes, that's right. Uh, even though squash, it sucked. 
butt. <laughs> it did. Because Electra Lopez sucks butt. Um, the aftermath was so dumb and mind-numbing, I can't even put into words how much I hated it. Uh, we already had witnessed the crappy Index Roman storyline, which was before NXT 2.0 and still also sucked butt. And I don't need anything remotely like that. This was so stupid and degrading for everybody involved. Another standard squash match, another lame angle to follow it. Two more veterans looking like idiots here tonight, along with MSK and Grizzled Young Veterans. Add Legato right in there. Why don't we just kill the whole tag team division and then replace them with Josh Briggs and Brooks <laughs> Jensen and then Kyle Riley and Von Wagner and then we're good. Yep. Sacri- I honestly don't see the problem here. Sacrifice all the veterans for these stupid stories and angles that aren't getting anybody over, right? right. We're just going to sacrifice right, right. anyone with any credibility and hope somebody emerges. Well, but they're but not. There is one more experienced team that they could put in is uh, Joe Gacy and Harland. I think they could, they're an experienced tag team, right? Not yet, but there mm-hmm. will be. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly talks to Mackenzie. She asked about the loss last week. He says the official made a mistake last week, and he's at a career crossroads, a singles run, or a tag team run. He says he and Vaughn have something special, and they're going to make a run at the tag team titles. Imperium shows up, looks down their noses at O'Reilly, sort of, and the thought of him being a tag team contender, but Vaughn appears, and we know that one rookie can take on two veterans. Who are so in a tag team? They and- immediately back off because... That's how it goes. Because bigness always wins. Bigness versus veteran. Which I find stupid because Kyle O'Reilly is a three-time tag champ. And Kyle O'Reilly could have joined up with Bobby Fish, but he wanted to go on his own and be a singles wrestler. Right. Until something special showed up in Von Wagner. Yeah, you let me know when I see something special. And also, I hate this is what O'Reilly has to do now. So lame. I don't understand why he broke out of Undisputed Era for this. Because uh, Wagner sucks butt. And Wagner is, again, saving Kyle O'Reilly. He's, like, the mentor here, right? And O'Reilly, like, needs the support of this guy Right, somehow. and O'Reilly's been wrestling, like, how long? At least two decades-ish. Right. Or, no, a decade. Uh, maybe just over a decade. And then your super jacked champions have to back down from this rookie as well. So no veterans are allowed to look good outside of Champa. They've basically said, okay, you... I hope Walter comes in and just chops Wagner's ass. Um, why does it feel like Imperium could be transitional champions to get the belts on O'Reilly and Von Wagner? Because that's how this works. Unbelievable. Just as Imperium's starting to, like, I'm really getting into them right now. And it's probably a bad idea because they're going to be made to look stupid real fast. Wrong place, wrong time. So there's another, there's your fourth tag team, veteran tag team on this show that is made to look kind of like chumps here, right? Anyways, we get the main event, at least maybe it can save things, and that is Carmelo Hayes taking on Pete Dunn in what a non-title match. So Dunn attacks immediately with forearms and stomps. He does his arm work and joint manipulation. Then some kicks and a springboard clothesline by Hayes sort of turns the tide for a minute. Dunn then immediately, or almost immediately, goes back to Hayes' left arm. He does hit an X-plex on the apron. As you said, it is not very impressive. Cause, just because they don't have far to fall. It just, yeah, it's like it, it just doesn't, setting them it down just doesn't on the work apron, either, right? right. Like, like, I mean, tucking there them in. is some impact, but like it just doesn't really work. Loomis, as much as I love the X-plex. I know we both do, but like it just yes. doesn't work in that no, way. No, I agree. Loomis shows up at commentary... And Trick is terrified. Okay, I laughed when Dexter Loomis puts on a headset and a microphone because he never speaks. So I thought that was kind of funny. Eh, I just, I think they did that already. <laughs> that like... was a, yeah, they have, but it still amuses me. Dunn slams Hayes' knee into the mat repeatedly. We get a running knee by Dunn, but a huge code breaker by Hayes. 
fireman's carry um, into a face onto the knee. I didn't know what to call that. Do you know? Is like, there t- oh, tiebreaker. Oh, Remember? Yeah, I, I Ty Dillinger. We'll, we'll get, yeah, okay. Uh, followed by a clothesline by Carmelo Hayes for a two count. That will always be the tiebreaker. We get a kick to the head, a forearm, and a sit-out powerbomb by Dunn for two. Insiguri by Very Dunn. Very nice sit-out powerbomb. It was. Pump kick by Hayes. Hayes hits a twisting suplex. Strike exchange. Takedown by Hayes. He locks in the Gargano escape briefly. Dunn snaps Hayes' fingers to break that yeah, hold. I thought that uh, tilt-a-roll, like face buster thing into the gargano escape like he did that really fast and cool. very fluid it was a very nice transition for yep. sure we get a german suplex and a kick to the head by dunn hayes avoids the bitter end sends dunn into the ropes loomis stops trick from using his shoe because i think he's done that before so he steps in there i think and that's then how that tag match ended last week we see a hand reach out from the other side of the <gasps> ring i think it was supposed to actually trip somebody or something but it know. just we just see a hand in a black glove Anyways, Dunn hits the bitter end to Hayes for the win. We then see that it's Jonathan Gargano. He emerges from under the ring, and he gives the thumbs up to Loomis as the show ends. What did you think? Um, I thought it was a pretty good match. It kind of reminded me of pre-NXT 2.0 NXT. Good NXT. this was a very good match. Happy NXT. I agree. Let's just say. Uh, It felt really good to see Dunn back in action. And I'm not talking about those tag matches with Stupid Ridge Holland or the four-way um on the first episode like this felt like pete dunn like actually pete dunn uh where he really got to do his thing here whereas i feel like he was kind of holding back previously or like i don't know had to adapt or something like right off the bat even the way like early on he had that really crisp clothesline like i don't know it made me happy i think this match just really made me happy um uh to his credit hayes is also good here too um, both of them had some good moves and some good exchanges. I didn't love we had to have a screen finish here, but at least Dunn got the win. If you're Gargano now, Dunn's kind of in contention for the title. Yes, so I, would, I think. That's kind of dumb of Gargano for yes. costing Hayes the match. It but. didn't, it, and it was only slight interference, so it wasn't right. as annoying as sometimes. Uh, yeah, that's true. And I really hope Dunn is around in the North American title mix now, because if he can't be in the top title scene, which I guess he can't because Braun Breaker's dumb. Um, it, it would be great just to have him in any major title scene right now, um, like a singles title. Maybe so, our hope is that the North American title is like the workers' title, like the Intercontinental. It is the actual A title, like it becomes the it's A the title. the one where the actual wrestlers go for right. it. Right, uh, a good match like this bumps up the show for me automatically, even though there has been some really crappy stuff. Even a decent match would bump up the show, because let's be honest, it's a very low bar. It is. A uh, glimmer of the NXT of old can be seen in the cracks of that wall of NXT 2.0 until they inevitably fill in the gaps with crap. Yeah, I thought this was a really good match. I was I was worried about the, the Loomis sort of Trick Williams presence, and I thought they'd get maybe too much focus and take away from the match, but it didn't really, which was pleasant. I thought Dunn and Hayes work really well together, and it was nice to have an actually like entertaining match on the show between two people it's who weird. clearly just didn't start wrestling last week. It's annoying that Dunn needed so much help to win. Uh, and a non-title stip kind of telegraphed the outcome. Usually that's they only make it non-title when the challenger's going to win and they don't want to shift the title yet. But I thought this was a good match and like for NXT 2.0, pretty much a great match and a really good main event. And it's nice to see them actually using Dunn for something because he's kind of been lost in the shuffle a little bit lately, right? Because they're busy throwing 10 new characters at us and trying to, I was going to say trying to develop them, but that's not really true. Just like, putting them out there for us to see i guess anyways uh overall thoughts on this show and a letter grade um 
Yeah. Terrible show, good main event, I think you're going to say. Uh, this so is another really crummy show. The opener was just as bad as any match on the show other than the main event, except it got more time than any of the middle matches. All the short matches can be summarized with the word meh. It's getting to the point where I hate watching the show because 90 to 100% of it is dumb, and it's not getting fun to review, especially matches, because the statement is the same at the end of the day. And that's not interesting for anyone. It's not fun to watch. It's not fun to review. It's not fun to listen to me <laughs> review. So I really don't think it's going to get to be fun for anyone. So from an enjoyment review perspective, I don't know how much longer I really want to talk about it on this podcast because what's the freaking point? Yep. Um, and I, I really mean it this time. Like, I've been trying to say it because I, I want to quit, but now I think it's <laughs> actually getting to the point where it makes sense to quit. So what should we replace and it with? And I would call it DMI. I don't know. Either we find something or we review good NXT. Go back to it? Yeah. I think that would actually be kind of fun. It might be. Like, we start from, like, I don't know, maybe at least 2014. Might like, be fun. Or, like, we review every takeover. That'd be kind of cool, actually. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll still do pay-per-views for this. I did notice, you're right, they're not calling yeah, it takeover. Yeah, and so they did advertise War Games happy. here, and they called it NXT War Games, which, either ma- which would make me think, oh, yeah, it's just one of the TV specials, but they specifically said it's a pay-per-view. I so, feel like that's a little bit of self-awareness by WWE. A, that the takeover brand is something, right, that people really like, and that B, this is not it, and this is crap, and you can't... You're gonna tarnish the hell out of that brand if you call these people. Right, they've already a crapped on NXT enough. So it's surprisingly, <coughs> bless you, surprisingly bit of self awareness here, maybe if that's or what a it fluke. Is. Or they just could be a fluke. Or they just don't want takeover anymore. Go, cool. yeah, it's a new brand. We're rebranded, brother. No more. But takeovers. yeah, I, I am pleased with that, and it's gonna be sad. It's the first war games without undisputed era. Right. It's kind of their thing. I mean, you could say they're still in every war game, just every takeover war games. That's right. Um, what was your letter grade? Sorry, I don't think uh, I got D minus. Nice. Uh, overall, I'm for me... I'm so tempted to give it an F. Another really bad, barely watchable episode of NXT. The characters are juvenile, cartoonish, and underdeveloped. The storylines and angles are ridiculous. I don't know... I guess there's people that find this entertaining. They're not people I would, I would be hanging out with, probably. I would love to meet those people, actually. I would like to see how their brains work. And on top of it, there is barely any good wrestling either. The main, the main event, event saved it at the very end. My, that, my, literally about to say, the main event saved this from being an F right. for me. I will give this show a D-, and I found this episode probably the most frustrating one. Like, I guess it's combined this week and last week. I thought right, were both really bad. it's setting them back so much. All the relations and stuff. Like, oh my god, you're cute. You should watch my match. Or, uh, I want I want you to join my faction. Or, yep. or like... Uh, you don't have a girlfriend, so you're a loser. Or like, uh, we're like the real man stuff last week. And like, and even the stuff like Tony D'Angelo and even Sokoa to a point. Everybody's reduced uh, to just Von really Wagner. basic, like, basic. They like, even changed Kurt and Kevzara this week. It's like they sit down and go, okay, so we assume our fans are not very smart and very juvenile. What would they like to this see? This isn't the right? mid-90s, you know? No. Like, it's so stupid. So I'm not sure... I either don't care about or don't understand almost everything from this show tonight, right? I'm not sure how much longer I want to do this either. At this point, this might be even worse than the main roster. I don't know. Uh, is it worse than SmackDown? I can't say because I don't is. watch it. But. I could imagine it being so because it's the same runtime. And, like, I don't know. And main roster is not... You don't expect it to be good. And it didn't... Like, it hasn't been, like, really good for some time. Whereas NXT, it was, like, really good as late as July yep. this year. And now it is garbage. It is and literally I, trash I've been wrestling. hesitating to be too hard on it. Because, you know, 
everything's brand new, but now it's been, what, a couple months? And it's still really consistently really, really bad show. There's not good wrestling other than the main event tonight. There's not interesting characters. There's not stories that are believable. Like, I don't know, man. It's 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 a bad, bad show. And this would be an F if the main event weren't so entertaining. So a D minus. It was garbage. Don't watch it. Anyways, let's move on. Uh, so we'll move into talking about some trivia again, as we tend to do in a segment we like to call Off the Top of His Head. So I'm going back to the trivia deck. Busy week, didn't have time to plan any fresh trivia. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. So trivia deck, WWE, what is it called? The Pop Quiz Trivia Deck. So let's see what you know. We'll do f- probably four cards, which is 20 questions worth. Are you ready? Feeling confident? Sure. Who burst into Brian Pillman's home during an infamous live edition of Raw in 1996? You don't know Frosty this? McFreeze? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, just kidding. Steve Austin. I was going to say, how do you not know this? No, like, I you're, know hesitation was making me wonder i can't remember if it was supposed to be frosty mcfreeze or chili mcfreeze chili mcfreeze i think okay so chili mcfreeze then yeah whom did shinsuke nakamura defeat in his wwe debut at takeover dallas Sami Zayn. correct which former mma champion helped the rock take out triple h and stephanie mcmahon at wrestlemania 31 oh ronda rousey you're like you're thinking because at first i thought it was Azira, right because right. rock steph Triple H like could have been like Shamrock or right. Severn or right. So Steve I, Blackman. <laughs> oh, I think he was just martial arts. I don't think he yeah, was mixed. I don't think he was ever me. Uh, who cut the legendary pipe bomb promo? Hmm, that's oh, a hard one. Oh, that is a tough one. I'm gonna have to say uh, John Cena. I'm just kidding. Uh, CM Punk. <laughs> Correct. Which future <laughs> WWE Hall of Famer put his tag team partner through a window on the barbershop? Shawn Michaels. Wow, way to pick like some of the iconic, famous things as trivia. Like, who doesn't know that? Anyways, next one. Bobby Heenan rode into WrestleMania nine on what? Camel. Correct. Why? Do you know? Because they were at like Caesar's Palace or something. Right. Who managed the or, Islanders? Like, near Caesar's Palace. Who managed the Islanders to defeat British Bulldogs and Coco Beware at WrestleMania nine? Or sorry, at WrestleMania four. The Islanders was Samu and Fatu, yeah? I believe so, yes. We just saw them. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, for those who don't know, it was a Survivor Series, I think it was like 93 or 94 it was on. Yeah, and it what was, a um, match. The Doink Whackers and Doinks on a Mission. It was just men on the mission and Bushwhackers dressed as Doinks against uh, Bam and Bigelow, Bash Bash and Booger, and the Islanders. What an awful match it was. Match so it was. Bad, so it was... bad. <laughs> and, okay, I, I know it's one of the Wild Samoans. Um... No, so who managed them? Yeah, one of the wild Samoans. No. Uh, no? No. Is it Afa or Sika? Nope. Oh, damn. It's a normal manager who may have just been mentioned. Captain Lil Bano? Nope. Uh, Harvey who? Whippleman? Bobby Heenan. Just oh. same person as the previous. I feel like, no, because remember the guy ringside, I think, was one of the wild Samoans. I don't remember. It was someone. What was the name of Coco Beware's bird? I forgot. Really? Uh, he was my favorite Marty? as a kid. No. Uh. Frankie. Damn. Which, he's a Hall of Fam- Famer, dang it. How do you not know? Yes, very deserved. Which WWE Hall of Famer, speaking <clears throat> of which, broke Br- Bruno Sammartino's neck in Madison Square Garden? Ivan Koloff? No, old school, hard hitting lariat, dude. Uh, Stan Sasiak. No, Stan, Stan. Stan's right. Stan Hansen. Yes, there you go. Who became the Miz's stunt double? 
Damien Sandow. And made that gimmick work, man. Holy cow. He became more interesting than The Miz based on that. Um, who sang the song Stand Back on Piledriver, the wrestle- wrestling album 2? Vince McMahon. Yes, why do you know that? I've seen that before. It's funny. It must be funny. Who came out of a gift box and attacked Seth Rollins on an episode of Raw? Dean Ambrose? Correct. Who sang... I can't imagine who else that would be. Who sang his own entrance song, Grab Them Cakes? Junkyard Dog. Why do you know that? Because that's his theme. I know, but how did you know he was singing it? Or because I guess you know the name. That's all I you don't know, to know why I know, but because it's a weird name. How much did Dean Ambrose offer to sell a Seamus t-shirt on Raw for? $5. No. $515. $0.25. Cents. Oh, because Seamus 5.15. Who proposed marriage to Rusev on Raw? I think I just understood the Seamus 5.15 shirt. Because it's supposed to rip off 3.16, but I think that's also when he won the title. Could be. Uh, Who proposed marriage to Rusev on Raw? Lana? Nope. Summer Rae? Yes. Okay. Very I, good. I, I didn't know which one. All right, last five. Wrong. Who was the first... Oh, sorry, what was the first word Dean Ambrose said during a psychological evaluation when he was shown a picture of Kane? Oh, I know this. You do? Toothpaste? Why, why would you yes! know that? Because I've seen that a million times. That's crazy. Kane was in charge of what when he was assigned the concession stand duty on Raw? Hot dogs. Nope. Damn, nachos. Close. Uh, Chips in general. Damn it. Whose ankle did Brock Lesnar break during his battleground contract signing with Seth Rollins? Joy Mercury? No. Jimmy Noble? No. Someone else? Kane. Ah. Who, Who crashed Rusev and Lana's wedding celebration on Raw? Oh, no. I've never seen this before, Roman Reigns. Correct. I remember that. What blew up in Seth Rollins' face when he finally retrieved the Money in the Bank briefcase from Dean Ambrose and opened it? Green Slime. Green Slime is correct. Unfortunately, you knew the last one today. That's yeah, I've seen that a million times, too. Very good job. You know a lot about WWE, it turns out. If only someone had known. Right. Uh, but anyways, let's shift gears back into reviewing wrestling that we actually enjoy, because that's a refreshing change of pace, and we'll talk about this week's AEW Dynamite. And we start the show with Brian Danielson taking on New Japan Pro Wrestling's Rocky Romero, who has been accepted into the best friends who have been accepted into chaos yeah i um that confused me greatly because for me i really don't see kazuchika okada wanting someone like orange cassidy in his faction it bothered me on a couple levels like just understanding it b it's super sudden which isn't usually aew's thing and right. b c whatever letter it i'm really at matter they brought it up a ton which yeah. felt very wwe like hey we didn't show you any of this but we're going to keep telling you about it. It's all this for Ben It's just a little complaint I have. Like, I don't really feel like... Like, I, I, I'm I, fine with Romero being in the best friend just because, like, then he has some allies in AW or whatever. Yes. But I don't really see the point of them being in chaos. They must... I'm going to try and give them benefit of the doubt. They must have something planned with chaos, right? Coming or something. You did say Ishii is in Right. Because this was yes. really sudden and just, like, hitting us over the head with it many times from commentary. Right. It's coming to maybe... So okada. there's got to be a reason maybe okada comes back for revenge and then omega's Could like oh, no. they did mention okada and they did put him over as one of like the best whatever handful of wrestlers in the world at one point so i suspect something's up but i agree i was a little bit like where's this coming from and why is it so important to me 
Right, and I just don't buy Orange Cassidy and Kazuchika Okada's faction. Right. That just, I mean, the other guys too, but like just the way Cassidy Orange Cassidy operates. I don't caring enough to be in anything. Right, and the right. just the way Orange Cassidy is compared to Okada, like it just doesn't, right. that just doesn't work for me. I agree. I, I was a bit confused by it as well. But yeah, this is a, a pretty good and uh, technically sound opener. A lot of counter wrestling. They even like a lot of it. it. Yes. Yep. Uh, we start off with the typical holds and counters. Uh, shoulder tackle followed by leg targeting by Danielson. Romero counters into an armbar attempt, which is one of his like finishing moves or whatever. Uh, but Brian is quick to get a rope break. Romero avoids a running lariat from Brian after he does like the flippy do dad, and then he sends him to the outside. A suicide dive by Romero as Danielson is briefly distracted by Orange Cassidy. Uh, some corner chops by Romero, but Brian turns around and hits the alternating corner chops and kicks, and then just follows with rapid chest kicks in the corner. Uh, surfboard stretched by Brian. A springboard tornado, t- tornado DDT by uh, Romero. A strike exchange while Brian is in between the ropes. And then uh, kicks by Romero and a middle rope drop kick by Romero, with Brian still hung between the ropes. Right. Uh, Romero hits like a running hurricane roll off of the steel stairs. And a slice bread back in the ring for two. A two running corner closeouts by Romero, where he's like, he almost runs back to the corner, but then just turns around. Mm-hmm. I, I saw that in the recounts. I guess that's a, a, one of his things. The forever clothesline. Or like, well, like more so he like runs back, but then just like turns around. And yes. then like, he's going like, ah, you know. Yes. <laughs> uh, but Brian bro- blocks a third by hitting a rolling elbow to Romero and falls with the bridging German suplex for two. Romero counters an avalanche back suplex by Brian for a two count, which that looked okay. Uh, but Brian is able to block a subsequent cross armbreaker attempt from Romero, and he eventually breaks off with a powerbomb, like one of those armbar counter powerbombs. Right. Uh, Brian is hitting strikes on Romero, and Romero suddenly attempts a cross armbreaker, but Brian is able to block and looks to counter. Back and forth ensues with Brian briefly getting an ankle lock, but Romero is persistent and is able to get the armbar until Brian turns it into a pin for two and falls with a round test kick. Uh, Brian hits those uh, stomps where he's like holding both of uh, Romero's wrists. And he taps out Romero with a tequila sunrise submission. Yeah, so yet another finishing hold, right, for Danielson. I, I thought this was another really good match and a, a very strong start to this show. And I'm not a huge Rocky Romero fan, but he can definitely, he's a veteran. There was some talk of, I think these guys came up in wrestling around the same time, right? The, um, right. So I thought this was really good. Lots of submissions and counters, which if you listen to the show, you know that's not my favorite match style sometimes, but... When the people are really good at it, I thought it worked really well. And here. when it's not like too much, like no. when you were watching, and they're really uh, knowledgeable pure. and know a lot of d- interesting counters, right? And some of Danielson's transitions are just so smooth and impressive, right? Like even just watching him shift from one move to another is pretty fun to watch. The pace wasn't crazy fast, like the Danielson Kingston was. It was kind of a different match, but I think that's cool, and it really kept me engaged the whole time. I really liked it. The Again, the chaos best friends thing seems to be kind of <clears throat> feels a bit forced right now, but I imagine there's some sort of reason for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was a great opener. Brian looks just he looks really good. He looks smart when he's targeting the leg each match because he tends to bust out at least a, some new maneuver yep. uh, to target the leg. And Romero, I thought had some good stuff too. I liked him continuously trying to catch Brian in the cross armbreaker, which he did, if only for a brief moment. Um, I also liked how Brian has won with various submissions now. Me too. Uh, showing how well versed he is, he doesn't really need a finisher to win, even if he does have a couple we all know and love. I don't even know if he's won with the yes lock yet. I feel uh, I want to say he beat Nick Jackson. He's applied it, but I don't know if he's won with it. Yeah, I don't know. But um, so yeah, I thought I thought this was a good opener. Uh, Danison's 
continuing to impress. He's fantastic. And next we get T- Tony Schiavone speaking with the Inner Circle, which is exactly what I wanted on mm-hmm. the show. Um, and in the year, an American top team attacked the Inner Circle on the ramp almost immediately as they're making their entrance. They're like posing on the ramp like a bunch of big idiots. Yeah. And they get attacked from behind, so their own fault really mm-hmm. uh junior dos santos hit sam mcguire with the most devastating move in pro wrestling as we know from uh gut experience punch? Earlier this year. yes a gut, how did you know yeah just from the description alone yeah, of course okay okay yeah, yeah, that makes sense yeah he does hit him with gun punch and as we know anyone who's done even remotely one thing in in like some sort of martial arts if they punch in the gut you better believe you're dead they're stealing ogogo's gimmick yeah they're gonna have to feud over that they will i mean Junior Santos isn't even on the roster, but I mean, he's going to... Wherever Anthony Agogo is, <laughs> right. I don't know. I think he's still... Didn't he have an eye injury or something? Or no? Or no, but he's already partially blind or something, right? No, was... I know. But, uh, maybe I'm confusing that, I guess, yeah. but... Uh, the Men of the Year set a table in the ring, and then MJ... Or, why did I say Jeff? Men of the Year and Lambert hit an awful and very shameful triple power bomb to Jericho <laughs> through the table, which is very disrespectful, because not only is that someone else's move or another faction's move, they also did it very badly, because Lambert's not a wrestler. He's old, and like Jericho said, kind of fat. It was funny. They just had him on the ropes, right? So they kind of just delivered, and then... Lambert right. just lets him drop, basically. It's not like it he applied much of right. the Right, it, it just move. wasn't good. No. Uh, Sky Mox JR is broken in half, quote. So that was kind of funny, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Um, Sky says it's just a taste of what they're capable of, and they'll get the whole deal at full gear. Uh, Paige says they won't just win at full gear, but they'll make sure Lambert pins Jericho. Right. So I guess... I, that's I guess, clearly the point of this. I guess Jericho's pinning Lambert. Probably. Hopefully. Uh... And then he says Lambert will tap out Jericho right now. He puts in the worst walls of Jericho I have ever seen. Mm-hmm. Similar stings Scorpion Deathlock nowadays. As Sky makes uh, Jericho's hand tap the mat. Um, and then Paige says we're looking at the greatest collection of talent at AEW. Despite only two of them being actually on the roster. <laughs> right. And says they'll win at full gear. Yeah. I don't know. The first thing I noticed is, so the guys that are here, because they're the real fighters, right? First chance they get, they're using weapons. They're grabbing a chair, right? Which I thought was interesting. If you're so tough and well, wrestlers are so not tough. He already beat him down tough, enough with a gut punch. I, I guess so. I'm glad that the men of the year got to speak for their group here. And I guess this the point of this was probably to add the whole Lambert will pin Jericho wrinkle I am also thankful that this was shorter yeah. than most stuff. Like, I think the attack from... That might at least resulted in a shorter segment, which right. kind of helps them out. And America's top team seemed to be getting like a lot of heat from the live crowd, but I'm still not into it. And it, I don't know if they're just... I really hope it's just go away heat, because they I, suck. I think Lambert's... He is good at... Do, but this isn't should, the role and, I want him in. And he's just not that interesting. I don't no. think he's bad, but I don't think he's that interesting either, especially when you have Ethan freaking Page there. Right. I really don't think he's necessary no and not now at all he's to gonna, talk for him now he's gonna wrestle like and i want worse. to like Paige and sky and i do but their affiliation with this group has made them feel less significant to right me. and i i'm very high on them i think they're i think they're good i love their theme i think they yeah. they should be contenders for the lucha bros tag i think they could be top contenders and this is just a true waste of their time this it feels like here the real tough guys have come from mma and you guys can sort of tag along for a little bit right right it's like they get like this is like a reward or something for yeah so my hope is inner circle win on saturday or tonight i guess and we get the end of this Uh, yeah i really don't see the need for this to go on longer especially because they've already done like one or two matches on rampage right 
Remember? Um, so, like, they really don't need... Like, it's, this doesn't have to be a thing like the Pinnacle, And you there's know? just so many people I would rather see who are actual wrestlers who are actually contracted to this company, right? Like, Right, I or I would just like to see Men of the Year doing something meaningful. I just I want think they're this a good team. to be over. Yep. That's Which I don't say often about AEW, so... Right. It's a rare um, misstep for them, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I thought this was fine. It was better than other segments in this feud, simply because the promo was shorter and less rambling. The attack was fine, and the triple powerbomb and the duels of Jericho we saw were both equally shameful and ugly. <laughs> they are just... Lambert sucks. Like, and he's gonna, going to quote-unquote wrestle in this match. Right. I mean, I guess the street fight hides it, but... For sure. I mean, it could end up being a, a fun brawl with weapons and whatnot, but again, I thought I the point was... I don't see it being like... I, I, I see it at best being meaningless plunder. These are real fighters infiltrating fake fighters sort of thing. Plus, for me, there's that six-man tag, which is false can anywhere, which is A, a better version of the stipulation, and B, featuring like a good pool of talent there other than Christian Cage. This will be my coffee-making match tonight, maybe. Uh, yeah. That, I'm going to need a I lot mean, of I coffee. I don't make coffee. But... I'm exhausted, so being up, this will probably go till midnight, right? So I'll try, because I know you want to watch we it ha- in real time. I think we have to stay up, because the try. main event is what probably one of my most anticipated matches. Or if I fall asleep, you time. watch it, don't spoil it for me, and I'll watch it tomorrow. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I will wake you up. All right. Um, and I just don't want to see this match. I don't care about it at all, but we're getting it, so I will sit through it and then complain about it and then hope it's all over well sometimes when you expect nothing you will be pleasantly surprised uh, that did happen at so the, we'll go we'll go with i that. did forget to mention that in ram and the banter but i did see that marvel movie last week and that was actually good so there you go that's fair and that's what i said sometimes critics right they're they're looking for things they're experts quote unquote in that so they're really looking for minor details whereas fans are a little more forgiving and they just enjoy it more so always consult the critic stuff but never just accept it without seeing it yourself right and i feel like when like you have an overly negative opinion yeah going into something that also can sometimes help it because then you're expecting so little right like uh the to continue on the marvel thread uh there's the hawkeye show coming up at the end of the month right i think hawkeye sucks i don't like him he's boring but and i don't really want to see the show but then it'll probably exceed my expectations by default right so there it has potential to be good but yeah although nxt is not doing that for us oh no i expect nothing and they deliver i actually (laughs) that's true (laughs) that's true i expect nothing and they they deliver every week they sometimes deliver worse than nothing it's just and like even the first week of nxt 2.0 i i was expecting like it to be bad i was expecting to be pretty bad just based off of the sheer awfulness of that logo yes and it, uh, it 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 was even worse than my expectations. So there is the odd time where they just take expectations and just drown them. I just don't understand how constant two minute matches are developing anyone's anything. But anyways, right. we've already no, talked. We, we, we have we've already, already talked, talked about, about that, that enough. Yep. Not just not just uh, on this show, but uh, every time we've talked about that is also too much. Yes. Um, next, we get a, a trios match between uh, Britt Baker, Rebel, and Jamie Hader. And then Thunder Rosa and Ty J or I really TJ. yeah it should be Tay J which is this is one of those times where I'm annoyed that it's Ty Conti because Tay J just works works and then like Ty J they got to wear their just... matching gear so they're happy right oh if their name was Ty J they should bo- both wear ties that have a J on it J shaped ties 
the tie could actually be oh, a J. Yes. Whoa. They're leaving money on the table. <laughs> yes. That that's merch right there. Right? All right. That's merch. You yep. you just like you go in your work, you got like business casual and you got your tie. Yeah, your J tie. It's a, it's a J. Where'd you get that J tie? Well, this is an AEW dynamite you tie. Cha ching, cha ching. <laughs> you know how much better uh Jim would have been in the office if he had a J tie? Hundred like, percent. Honestly. J for Jim. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I thought it was a solid trios match with a couple of minor missteps. We'll we'll get to that. There were a couple. Uh match starts with a brawl between all the participants until the baby faces clear the ring. And once the match settles, once it kind of settles down, Baker and Rosa start the match. Mm-hmm. Um, after a brief, ex- brief exchange, uh, Baker tags out to Reba. Um, Wheelbarrow face buster on the knee by Rosa. Uh, corner chop by Rosa, who then tags in uh, Anna J. Some tag offense by Rosa and Anna J, followed by a suplex by J. Uh, Hater tries to get a cheap shot on J, and then somewhere along the lines, it gets messed up. It's just, it, it was weird. It's hard to explain. You really do have to see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it was just messy there. A suplex and a basement blockbuster by Jay post commercial break. She makes the hot deck to tie Conti, as Baker also tags in Jamie Hader. Uh, Conti goes on a flurry, capped off by a corner pump kick to, for each member member of the heel side, which I thought was pretty nice. Uh, tie KO to Hader, which is like essentially she has him in like the gory bomb position, sorry KLR bomb position, <laughs> right. and then swings him around into her knee, which is yeah. it's a pretty nice. It move, is cool. Actually. I wish she'd use that rather than the DD tie because I think it's a more unique. She does move. name moves after herself. I do. I think it's. I think the it's pretty clever though. I I like these like they're not. They're a little on the nose, but they're not as on the nose as like a KLR bomb or something. No. Like at least like TKO, TIE right. KO, Yo, no. yeah. like DDT, DDT, TIE. Like it, it works better, yep. right? They they got like an air of cleverness to it, whereas yes. WWE is just like, air oh, that's, that's your name? Okay, right. that's your move. We're like, going to stick bomb on it or driver on <laughs> the it. The shield bomb. The grace driver. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, yeah. what's her face. Like even like if you just like use your initials in some sort of other right. like word, like as long I feel like the worst thing you can do is go, insert name here, bomb. Yes. That's the worst one. Like, I hated it in 2017 when the shield reunited and they powerbombed Miz. Shield bomb. Shield bomb. And I'm just like, no. It's always been the triple powerbomb. Like, Mm -hmm. it's annoying. And then after the finish comes in, after an exchange between everyone, Rose hits a crossbody outside the hater, which is kind of underwhelming, but whatever. And then Conti hits Rebel uh, with the DD tie. There it is. Yep. As Baker watches for the win. Kind of reminiscent of the Elite with Dak or Cutler. Just kind of letting the crony take yes, the hit. exactly. Yeah, similar um, to that for what sure. What did you think? It had its ups and downs for me. I thought yep. Conti looked pretty good. And I guess that's the most important thing ahead of her That definitely was shot. the purpose here, right? Right. Hater and Jay had a couple issues along the way, I thought. I like that Thunder Rosa and Baker barely touched in this because that's the money match that they need to build anticipation for down the line, I think. They need to get back to that for the championship. Well, I think they should hold off a while, though, still, because I think Baker deserves a long run. I agree. Uh, Baker, like you said, letting Reba get pinned was a nice touch because I think, A, she's saving herself. She wants to be healthy for the match. And at the end of the day, she is still that uh, self-absorbed heel. And a little bit of, it also makes Conti look a little strong, right? Because it's like Baker's a little bit afraid of her and doesn't want to get in the ring at that point. So I like that touch. Um, I don't know. I thought it was fine, but, and it served its purpose, but I don't think it was very good, particularly. Yeah, I don't think it really needed to be here. I thought it was fine overall. There was definitely some solid action at times, but also some lulls in the action and or missteps. Yep. Overall, it was fine, and I thought the finish was solved with Baker being finally Rebel take the hit and the pin from Tay Ty. 
Uh, it makes Conti look strong hanging to full gear, which I think is smart. Definitely the purpose here. Yeah. And um, other than that, it was fine. Uh, next, we get another thing for Chris Statlander versus Ruby Soho, which I thought was weird because oh, they wow, did one last week. Wow, I put week. Ruby Riot in my notes. I <gasps> suck. Wow. Sorry, Ruby Soho. I am, she probably wants to forget that. about that. My bad. I, did, I yeah. literally just changed it. <laughs> um, which I find this... I'll, I'll talk about that after, actually. I, I find this a weird choice for a segment. Um, Soho said she respected Statlander before her EW, and Statlander has had her back, because babyface. <laughs> uh, Statlander says they both knew that one day they would have to face off, because they've been friends for years. Wrestling. Yeah. So they must face off. And yes, because wrestling, because mm-hmm. people have to wrestle. Yep. Uh, so since Statlander is in the way of her becoming T- TBS champion, respect doesn't mean anything. And neither does being friendly to other species, because I guess she's going to have to beat up an alien, right? That's right. Uh, and Statlander says she's the galaxy's greatest alien. She'll be your leader. Yeah. Um, is she going to lead the best friends? I actually thought she might. Or is she going to lead chaos, actually? <laughs> That's right. They've aligned with chaos. So I like this. It was a short segment. Um, kind of quickly back and forth they sort of reminded me of the matchup add a little bit of depth to it i guess to a match that could otherwise feel random right because it's just a tournament match so i appreciate that they're trying to add something to it and i feel like these are like super ultra mini prime targets right it was just a really quick back and forth which was one of NXT's best things, which I assume they will either get rid of or not do anymore. They should stop using that or, name just like I they mean, stopped using TakeOver. Right, I mean, got, get rid of or they will screw that up. Well, yeah, you, right. Can you imagine who could they... Because the Prime targets, the, one of the reasons I love them was that they were very realistic. So can you imagine like Tony D'Angelo... Versus, um, let's pick see. Pick some other stereotypical <laughs> gimmick uh, in a uh, Prime Solo target. Sokoa. Let's go right. Solo Sokoa. In a Prime target? Right. No, or, or like... Uh, Briggs and uh, Jensen versus, like, um, I don't know, Wagner and O'Reilly or something. In a prime target, no. Right. It just doesn't work. Sorry, NXT is sneaking into our conversation again. It's poisoning everything we talk about. You can't not roast it. Yep. Yeah, I gotta roast it. Um, I thought it was fine, but it didn't do much for me because I don't really need much of a build for any tournament matches, really, because it's a tournament. That's all there is to it. And they already did a very similar segment last week. Yes, they did. And there's really not... Like, they're trying this ground for history, which I guess I can appreciate but like i don't think there's much here didn't add much for you so whereas like i feel like if they did this for like statland or sorry um sheeta and uh rose which they did like that with that interview thing but i feel like if they did like one of these formal back and forth segments i feel like that would work better um because i i, don't, I think they they actually have history so right. i don't know i don't really need much for tournament matches yeah so i don't i think this is a little bit of a waste of their time i think if you can add something it helps and they tried here which yeah and i don't, I don't think they really could so i don't think they, it was they they're, them trying was we know each other we're aware of each other's we're existence. gonna face off yeah and you're in my, you're in my way in this tournament yeah. and i want to win the title all so. true also i'm an alien yep uh, next, we go to Jungle Boy versus Anthem Bones with Max Caster. Another solo rap from Caster. I've missed that very much. It's it's really nice to have that on Dynamite because you know I'm not watching Dark. And I, I the times that they've been on Rampage, I haven't watched right. just because like they're, I'll watch Rampage if there's something else interesting. But unfortunately, I just haven't watched when Caster is there. Yes, it's still um, my favorite entrance in wrestling right it's, now. It's so simple. It's so great. I've... I wish they were there in an, another meaningful feud. Maybe they faced the Lucha. They already did. Damn it! They should have like feuded with the Lucha Bros and done um, 
a, another buck hunt thingy. That was the best. That was so good. I still stop what I'm doing and listen to Caster's rhymes every time. Yeah, I, the, like I'm literally like. Full I don't attention. even bother. I would take notes if I could, but it it was good. There was a cool. It was good. Uh, roast the jungle boy where like he he obviously doesn't care about his relationship because he leaves anna jay with seven other guys because right. obviously jungle boy is with anna jay and then anna jay is at the dark order so right. i thought that was pretty funny no it was good i liked it too yeah and this is basically just a it was a solid back and forth enhancement match at the end of the day it was basically an enhancement match for yes, jungle boy it was um an early back and forth with bones getting the better jungle boy an overhand chop by jungle boy with the hand of bones gripped to set up for that escalator arm drag but Bowens gets out and unleashes some corner chops on Jungle Boy. Uh, overhand chops and a leg kick before Jungle Boy is able to get that signature Escalera arm jag with the flippy springboard doodad thing. Mm-hmm. And then he falls with a drop kick. Corner chops by Jungle Boy. Um, Caster distracts Jungle Boy and Bowens. It's like a single knee face buster Jungle Boy on the apron. Uh, it's like a ricochet's move, the recoil. Uh, forearms and a chop by Jungle Boy followed by a drop kick to the leg and that rebound lariat. Uh, strike combo by Bowens followed by an interesting side slam move for two. I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah. Um, Jungle Boy rolls up Bowens for two and transitions into the stair chat, but uh, breaks to take out Caster off of the apron and falls to the suicide dive to Caster. Bowens hits that interesting twisting DDT in the ropes for a two count. I do like that. Um, Jungle Boy counters Bowens and is able to lock in the stair chat for the win. Yeah, and- um, I thought... Jungle Boy showed a bit more aggression here, and even commentary pointed that out. I think they even made some comment about him having, like, a beard now, basically. It was kind of Right, like, he does. He's got a I beard, did, so I that's the start that. of a heel turn almost, right? Uh, Bowen seems to be improving in the ring, or maybe it's just that he's getting a chance to showcase himself more, but I thought he looked pretty good here, and that draping, twisting DDT does look pretty cool. And I thought Caster, like, provided just the right amount of distraction. Jungle Boy looked good, as he always does, and the crowd obviously loves him, so I thought it was good... Like, middle of the show TV match. I even liked the attack after the match. Right, I um, forgot to mention, but yeah, Bobby Fish attacks yes. Jungle Boy afterwards and then gets chased off by stupid Christian Cage and Luchasaurus. And I thought Fish looked vicious, and I would love to see Fish and Jungle Boy have a match, which, which we did. did happen on Rampage. And so, and here I had the question, right, is Bobby Fish acting on behalf of Super Click? And that gets answered later, too. Um, yeah, I thought this was pretty good. Uh, it was essentially an enhancement match, but I never thought Bones would win. But he did get some good stuff in jungle boy looked uh, good in victory as well anytime we get a max cast wrap on dynamite that's a treat for sure uh the fish attack post match was odd but i feel like it could be linked to the fact jungle boy is in a feud involving adam cole yes and adam cole just met bobby fish so that's right right Brand um new. <laughs> yeah next we get a hangman page kenny omega package um, the AEW Talking Heads, which is like uh, Shivani, um, Excalibur. I can't remember if Taz was in this one. Or I think it was just Shivani and Excalibur. Because, no, Taz was in the Kingston Punk one. And I think you'll agree, like, this was way shorter than I thought. Because even when it started, you were like, I'm not taking notes on this. I'll go back and get some later. Ready to settle in for, like, a pretty major segment. Yeah, I think in a, segment. It, sometimes these move too fast for me, too. Right. And I just thought that... The, anyways, you talk about it. I'll t- give you my thoughts. Um, Hangman said that nothing could feel better than winning the world title. And Omega says he doesn't lose big matches where Hangman always loses big matches. Right. Um, that's it. Yeah. So I was expecting, or I was hoping that it was something, like, double the length of this. It I was... guess they do have that other segment on the show. Yeah. To be it, fair. It, that's true. And this was more of like a simple recap, I guess, to get ready for the next part than I was expecting. But both men play their roles perfectly. Like Omega is still trying to play mind games 
by preying on Paige's insecurities, like, every opportunity he gets, right? Right, because Paige is finally, like, he getting just, his confidence, right? And right? he just and keeps mentioning, like, you just lose all the time in big matches, trying to just Which I think that that's away. a really nice touch. I think it that's is. smart by Omega. Me too. And Paige is sort of showing us he's ready to show off he's a new man and no more self-doubt, right? right. So I, lo- I liked it. I was just expecting more I like the dynamic here. shifting, yeah. I thought it was a cool little package to give a very brief history for this feud um, to build to that segment later on. Um, it was definitely shorter than I was expecting, but it was yeah, good. Yeah, uh, Next, we get the super click backstage. Nick talks about how good it was to see Jungle Boy get his ass kicked. And, he says, and Cole says he wants to talk to the Bucks about that. And he introduces them to Bobby Fish, which I, I like this. I, I like I like them <laughs> yeah. interacting again. Matt says they know Bobby very well, which I feel like that could be an ROH reference because Red Dragon. Right. Um, Matt says this is their era, but Cole's vouching for Fish and they are cool. Cole suggests that Fish face Jungle Boy on Rampage to soften him up for the Super Cook at full gear. Fish accepts, and Cole says he can, he knew he could count on him. And I thought this was a solid little segment. I'm glad to be right, because I, I, I was happy to predict, yeah. kind of predict that. And I like the callback to Unspeeder, which is also callback to the good days of NXT. So anything to call back to that, that's nice. And they went out of their way to make a couple like undisputed references and stuff right. too, right? And Fish versus Jungle Boy sounds pretty nice as well. And if O'Reilly indeed does leave in December or whatever, then that's nice. <laughs> that is nice. That uh, would be nice. I really like this too. I feel like there's a chance that Super Click are completely using Bobby Fish, right, as their hens- henchmen are just using him. Mercenary. And I also feel like there's a chance that Fish is aware of that, right? Like he knows that's a possibility because the way he just sort of st- stood there, you know what I mean? He wasn't like super friendly or anything with them. It's almost like... I know that you're probably just using me, and I don't really care. I just want to beat people up kind of thing, right? Although um, I would love it if Cole did lead them. He was like, sign her as suckers, and then they form Undisputed Era in AW, because that'd be cool. And I like this better for Cole, because he seemed more like the slimy, confident heel that he plays really well. Less of the, like, silly comedy over-the-top. I don't mind that as, as long as they don't do that. A ton. And for me, Fish Jungle Boy is absolutely will get me to watch Rampage. And Which I that, it did. To me, that is crazy to say that a I will go out of my way to find Bobby Fish matches right now. Well, like, I've always, Jungle Boy. I've always thought he was good, and I really liked him when he was um, in Red Dragon with Kyle O'Reilly. But, like, in NXT, I've just kind of been like, yeah, he's a good wrestler. He's fine, you know. But I look forward to seeing him, and we'll seek him out now in AEW. So that is the AEW effect, I think. Yeah, for sure. He's definitely uh, stepped up his game. I think so. Uh, next, we get another one of those back-and-forth package thingamajiggies. Uh, it's for, this time, Kingston and CM Punk. Um, Taz talks about how Kingston loves to fight. Excalibur says Punk was an indie guy and Kingston was a trainee. We are shown stuff from the promo thingy last, on that last week's Rampage. That was amazing. I love mm-hmm. You didn't see it. I freaking loved it right because I, I didn't I, I forgot to get around to that you did it was amazing uh jr says he likes kingston's motivation and says punk shouldn't brawl it should uh he should out wrestle kingston um we see a little more from last week's rampage segment and how it turned physical yeah um so it was mostly a recap of that amazing segment i just think they knew how good it was and we're trying to find a way to get at least part of and it on some Dynamite. people like such as myself don't watch rampage yeah like regularly and eddie kingston is just Everything was so real. He is basically like his stance is, oh, how dare I insult the beloved CM Punk, right? And like nobody nobody is else will tell this to you, and but every, nobody in the back wants you here. But everybody's afraid to tell you that. Nobody wants you here. And sort of 
Um, Punk's just kind of like. I also like the dig like that he should retire again after this, or like or leave the business. It would go, yeah. Why don't you disappear for another seven years? And Punk's basically like, listen, you are just a waste of potential. You had as much potential back in the day as anyone to be the best, and you're just a bum because you didn't want to work. So I love the story uh, that that segment. So. Um, I thought this was good, right? It deserved extra co- coverage. That segment was so good, I thought. And I like the added thoughts of JR and Excalibur here as well. And just Eddie Kingston has the ability to make me care about every match he's in, right? Um, my only regret would be that he and Punk don't have much more time ahead of the match to battle each other a bit more on the mic. And that but... Kingston kind of has to lose here. Yes, he does. But that's okay. He do- He's a guy that doesn't need to win, yep. right? He really doesn't For need sure. to win. So I, I like this. Yeah, I thought this was cool. I'm glad I did get to end up seeing at least some of that segment from last week. And I like the bit that um, the talking heads uh, added in. Yep. Um, I thought that worked well, too. Uh, next, we get Wardlow versus Wheeler Yuta in a squash. Because it's Wheeler, Wheeler Yuta. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's what he does. I, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Uh, Yuta escapes Wardlow numerous times and hits a dropkick. Uh, Yuta missteps on a dive and Wardlow hits a one-handed spy muster and then proceeds to powerbomb him numerous times. And then he does like his drop, he drops Yuta into his knee for the win. And then post match, uh, Blade and Isaiah Cassie attack the best friends. Matt Hardy comes with a chair. It's a chair twist of fate to Orange Cassie, which didn't look too great. Um, Jeff Hardy took that awesome, uh, in like 2009, and yes. Cassie didn't sell it the best. No, um, I, a Wardlow looked like a beast in this squash, which I guess was the point, so it did its job. I mean, it's too bad that Yuta seems to have settled into a jobber role, but I still think, like, AEW will be able to heat him up later if they really want to. At some point, they need to build Wardlow, right, to his inevitable turn on MJF. I think we see kind of hints of that and sort of, like, breadcrumbs along the way that they can go back we to. We do, but I'm not sure if I see him as, like, a babyface or a single star. Not at the moment, no, but they they might be I, able to build Maybe, to it. and I, I do trust them, at least. The, the post-match attack was predictable, the attack with the chair looked weak. I don't think Cassidy was just willing to commit to that. I don't blame him. I wouldn't commit to that spot either. But um, Hardy and Cassidy, I just want them to get away from each other at some point. It's like yeah, a lingering feud that's not... Yeah, I didn't hear good not... things about their Rampage match, which was also a Lumberjack match. Yeah, it's just a lingering feud that isn't really that interesting Yeah, to me. I was... So, yeah, I thought this was good. Uh, it was an effective squash. We don't get to see a ton of Wardlow in the ring, so this may look good. And the aftermath was fine and short, but I don't understand how this feud is still going I mean, like, that's what i need some sort of I, I payoff was in agreement and move too. On. yeah like i just don't un- i didn't i forgot that this was a thing i didn't i was like what how's this still going yeah i agree um and then we come back from the commercial break with eddie kingston cm punk yelling at each other in the parking lot yeah with them being held back by wrestlers and referees and eddie kingston running as fast just uh, there's something about he takes these tiny little steps <laughs> him running made me laugh but i thought this was a really simple way to just add a tiny bit more to this, right? Before Saturday, before tonight. So right. I thought it was fine. Right. Yeah, I liked it too. Um, and then next we go to a tag match between Leo Rush and Dante Martin, uh, taking on Matt Seidel and Lee Moriarty in a fast-paced and pretty high-flying tag match. Had you seen Moriarty in the ring before? No. I'd only seen him a couple times. So. Right. There's that fish match. And right. And I think he was mainly on dark. Yeah. Um, so we start with a back and forth between Moriarty and Dante Martin, uh, standoff after it ended very evenly, Rush and Seidel both tag in, Rush slaps Seidel, they have a brief exchange until Seidel lands a jumping heel kick, a middle rope spring for Hurricane Rana, uh, brawl in the ring erupts, a big leap sunset flip for two by Martin after the commercial break, like, just jumps over them way 
higher than he actually needs to but it was cool it's like the man's filled with helium or something you know right and he's just like holding it back until so graceful and he just stays in the air longer than i don't get longer than you should right yeah uh, and then a springboard shotgun dropkick by Dante Martin. Moriarty tags in and gets the better of Rush with the flurry. Roll up, roll through, Inseguri by Rush, and a kick home to Moriarty. A rolling unprettier by Rush for two. An avalanche belly-to-belly suplex and a running uppercut by Moriarty for two. Uh, the finish comes when Dante Martin is able to hit, I think, Moriarty with the double springboard moonsault. Yeah. Which um, I don't love as a finisher, but... No, I thought this was a really fun, really fast-paced match. Rush and Martin make it pretty dynamic tag team and honestly i thought moriarty looked better i've only seen him in a couple matches and i was kind of like i'm not that impressed but i thought he looked really good here seidel did almost nothing right but that was sort of expected because this was to showcase the other three uh, i think specifically so the crowd got into this a lot and i mean leo rush is just so fast and he does things that no other wrestler does i really think um, wwe missed the boat this guy to me is the closest thing to like Rey mysterio just due to his size and he does things differently, and he almost never makes right. mistakes. He moves a billion miles an hour, does some crazy like stuff, Ricochet, um, and it's clean. In the good days, like you right. do these crazy flippy doodads and, and never, never screw it up. Yep. Uh, I thought this was a really good mid-card TV match. I hope Rush and Martin stay together for a while at least, because there's tons of fun matchups for them in AEW right now. So right. I, I like this. Um, yeah, I thought it was pretty good. It had a great pace to it. It's all four guys are pretty fast. Moriarty looks solid for the first time in seeing him, but nothing super special. Yep. Uh, Rush was so fast, though, and he had some great moves. I thought Martin, side, Martin and Seidel had some good stuff as well. And Martin and uh, Rush were made for a pretty cool team. Mm-hmm. And a good debut for Rush, yep. other, aside from his little thing in the um, Casino Battle Royal. Right. But his ring gear sucked. He was wearing one of those yeah, like, skin-type body like he body was in things. like a pajamas. It looks like he was in like a onesie. Right. The fact that he's short <laughs> does not looked help. comfortable, but it wasn't a ring gear. Right. The fact, the fact that he's short makes him look more like a child in a onesie than like if like say someone. And like, the man is ripped. Why are you covering shirt? that up? Show it off, And man. he's got a bajillion tattoos. He does. Not, also. Paid big money for them. Don't cover them. Right. <laughs> Uh, next, we get a promo from Miro. He says he has to beat Brian Danielson at full gear to earn an AW World title shot. He says it isn't personal. He, he, and he does his usual bit about how God, he says his God is either testing him or messing with him. Yep. Miro says he needs to win this tournament and put the world title over his shoulder. And he repeats that this isn't personal. And he says that Brian has, has to say goodbye to his wife so Miro can say hello to his. Yeah, that is, that's a cool line. Like, basically, I'm going to kill you <laughs> sort of thing, right, is what he's saying there. Another really cool promo from Miro. They all are. They're all really similar, but I'm still not tired of any of them. This match could be absolutely awesome, and I really am not sure who's going to win because Danielson's undefeated so the far. definitely closest one to say. Right? And Miro has Miro's been, kind of on a redemption arc. And he's sorts. been presented like an absolute monster who right. needs he, to he's win. He's lost once. So I don't... I thought this was a really cool he's segment. He's like the closest you can be to undefeated. And I'm very much looking forward to the match. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought it was a solid promo from Miro. The way he speaks in his promo style is very unique. I, I enjoy it very much. I like the reference to his neck that he made and, like, Brian's, which makes sense. So, like, Brian also does have neck The neck weaknesses. of sand. <laughs> I mean, Brian, like, actually did have to retire for a bit. So, yes. I mean, that's kind of a nice touch. Neck versus neck. Yes, neck versus neck. And then uh, your uh, a match that I, I knew you would be ex- interested Darn in at right. least is Dax Harwood versus Pack. Battle of the Brain Busters. <laughs> and they each hit one, too, at this one. I they think. did. Yep. I'm pretty sure that's right. One of them was ridiculously crazy. 
Yep, that is true. I saw like a clip of it. I think before we watched it because we watched half on Wednesday. I right. think. Um. So I did see a clip of this before, and this is technically the main event match. We it get, is. It is. Like a couple things after, but that is the this contract is the signing match. and then something else. Yeah. So main event match, so to speak. Um, and which was a great and aggressive back and forth match. Um, n- notables, I would start. Um, they had like an aggressive collar elbow tie up at the beginning and like kind of a back and forth battle. Shoulder tackles by Pack after the back and forth. More, more holds and counters. Corner tops by Pack. A form exchange. A rope rebound. Snap German suplex by Pack. One of his specialties. And then he falls by clothesline Dax out of the ring. He hits his Fosbury fall by Pack. Didn't get all of it, but it's still a graceful maneuver. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, the exchange shots with Dax stop the turnbuckles, but Pack gets the better of Dax with the Dom Gary, which allows him set up for an avalanche brain buster. Ridiculous. Which was and very what's nice. And commentary saying? It looked like Pack took j- almost took just as much as that. But like one guy got dropped on his head from... The... In theory. So anyways, I thought it looked awesome. Right. Yeah, it, it was really nice. I, I know Pack has done that before, but I feel like we haven't seen it a ton. And that one was pretty straight down. Sometimes it's bordering on like a suplex when people do a brain buster, because obviously it's dangerous to drive them straight down on their head. But this one looked pretty vertical. Although, if you're Goldberg, it comes naturally. You just do it, yeah. <laughs> uh, corner pump kick by Pack. A top rope shotgun drop kick to the back by Pack. Back by Pack. Nice. <laughs> uh, corner uppercut and a corner pump kick in the opposite corner by Pack. Uh, totally pulls Dax out of the way of a corner move from Pack. And he, Dax hits a brain buster. There it is for yep. two. Uh, super kick by Pack. Dax prevents a black arrow and hits an avalanche back suplex. Which, that's not nice. I need a black arrow, but... Yeah, they've Whatever. been saving that yeah, quite a bit. Yeah, it's such a nice move. Yep. Uh, German suplex by Pack, a big lariat by Dax, and a slingshot uh, powerbomb for two at the Sido, which is looked very nice. Awesome. Deep stack. It looked really nice. Pack's able to get a backslide pin for two, and out off of the kickout, he transitions right into the brutalizer and gets the tap out win. And they did, they did make a cool point of like Dax was like, because he has the tag title match, right? So he's tapped. like, right, he taps like he. I like that because at Me place too. in FTR where it's it's smart. He want he pres- he's preserving himself for the like more important 100%. match, right? It's not really worth it to him for him to to try to stick around in this match. So right. I thought that was really cool. Um, Pack still has the brutalizer on after the match for a bit until Cash Wheeler attacks and the lights go go out and uh, come and um Andrade and Malachi Black appear and all four of them beat on Pack until Lucha Bros and Stupid Cody Rhodes make the save <laughs> and a brawl ensues. Yeah. I, I love this whole thing, except for Cody Rhodes. Really good match. Hard-hitting, super competitive. Two guys with really different styles, right? Kind of just having to pull out all the stops to try and beat the other. Pac's a special talent, man. He's one of my favorites in the world. And Dax... Yes, I've enjoyed him ever since that heel run in, uh, yeah. on, in Which, the Cruiserweight division. I was wrong about Pac. I thought he could never be a heel. That's He's one a of the great times heel. where it's fun to be wrong. And I was wrong about Dax, because when I was watching NXT back in the day, and he showed up as this sort of like pudgy, kind of basic whatever. It was... Wasn't he a mechanic pre-revival? Yes, he, <laughs> he, mecha- he was a mechanic. Um but he, Dax has impressed me in every singles match he's had, right? He's just a really good professional wrestler. I really like that everyone was banned from ringside for, from these two groups as well, so that these two could just actually fight each other without I mean, any... I totally was there, but whatever. Yes, didn't do anything. It was pretty minimal interference, yep. at least. I was really looking forward to this match. It did not disappoint. And I, like you said, Dax immediately tapping, even before the, the Brutalizer's really in very deep to save his health for the pay-per-view was a really nice touch. I it's thought very this... in line with their character. Yep. Uh, I thought this was excellent. Yeah, um, I thought it was great. These guys are pretty similar, but they also have a nice clash of styles because there's, there's aspects of them that are are very similar, but then there's they're also pretty different yep. in different aspects. Yep. Um, I like this, and the aftermath was cool as the brawl felt 
pretty cool and it felt right like it, it didn't feel like tacked on or just like no it was leading to typical, something too right, right? The Heel Alliance of Malachi Black on Dragon FTR is probably the coolest thing since you the formation of the Death Triangle. Like, that's an all-star squad right it there. It is. Yeah. It's very nice. You are right. Um, And I would say the same thing with Bayface Squad, except Cody is there, so I don't really Should care be a fun match, that. though. Yeah, and um, I, I would love Death Triangle versus, like, I guess Andrade and FTR is the move, but... That'd be amazing. Or Malachi Black or, like, Andrade. Take my money. Like, yes. <laughs> well, I, I guess tonight, literally. They are taking it. Um, and I think we found the perfect way to extract FTR from the Pinnacle, should they want to. Like, because I, I feel like FTR are pretty distanced from the Pinnacle they already. Are. I think Tully can go back with Sean Spears or stay with them. But I don't, because th- I don't really think Sean Spears or FTR need a mouthpiece. Yeah. I don't know what Tully is exactly getting paid for. But um, I thought this was good. And I'm fine if factions, like, at times they band together to face certain groups. And then the rest of the time they sort of go off and do their own. And they don't have to turn on each other. And then, like, you can, you know what I mean? Still be affiliated, but not constantly with each other all the time. Right. I'm okay with that. Right. Um, Especially with Andrade, ha- like, paying for Yeah, I like that, whatever. too. If, if that's still what's happening. Yeah. I know that is what happened with the AAA tag title scenario. Right. But um, if that's still what's happening. Uh, next we get MJF Darby Allen thing. Um, Excalibur says that MJF doesn't usually speak the truth, but he was right about the pillars, uh, the four pillars of AW being MJF Darby Allen, Jungle Boy, and Sammy Guevara. And he talks about how they are homegrown stars who will be the future. Um, they integrate some MJF promo clips throughout. Uh, Darby says he has seen MJF's face before in his dumb scarf. He's, <laughs> he says he meant it when he said you couldn't be mentally broken. And Daz, Taz says Darby is intelligent. MJF says Darby plays checkers while he plays chess. He has gotten so deep into Darby's mind because he, he will get too carried away with hurting him and not beating him. Yeah, I thought this was a really well done segment. I loved the use of Excalibur and Shivani again here. And I thought the ratio of like MJF talking to Darby Allen talking was pretty perfect as well. Like of most of its MJF highlights and then let Darby say a little bit. And I'm kind of coming around on this because I've been saying like I'm just missing something and I'm not super into this. But I'm looking forward to it a little bit more as it as it approaches. Um, so it should be good, I think, yeah. Yeah, um, I thought it was a solid package. Having other people talking about it helps, in my opinion. Some of the Kenny um, Hangman one from earlier. Yeah. Uh, but obviously not as short. Yeah, and I think I like, again, the idea that MJF is trying to talk Darby Allen into a technical match, right? Because that's not what would favor him sort of thing. So it's still kind of messing with his head a little right. bit. I like that. And then we arrive to our finale, which is Hangman uh, Adam Page and Kenny Omega's contract signing for the world title match at Full Gear. Mm-hmm. Uh, Page signs first while the fans were ch- chanting uh, cowboy stuff. Crap. Yeah, potato. Uh, Page says, after all this time, there's not much left to say. He says the sooner that he signs this, the sooner he can get to Full Gear and beat Kenny's ass to become the AEW world champion. Profanity. Wow. Uh, Kenny Omega was about to sign the contract, but he had some second thoughts. Mega said, if it wasn't for Hangman's insecurities and failures, then he, but then he went off uh, in another direction. So I don't know. That was kind of weird. Um, Omega said that it was always them in the elite that saved Page in the past. It was them winning the titles while Page is in the background, and he calls Page a disappointment. Page says uh, Omega once also had a tag team partner who didn't measure up to him, who felt he didn't measure up to him either, which I think that's a um, when omega teamed with abushi right i can't it think is. of anyone i'm pretty else. sure that's what it is like i guess would it be 
because is he saying Ibushi didn't measure up to Omega or is it Omega, Omega didn't, didn't up... measure up to his partner. That's what, that's what I was thinking. Me too. Uh, Paige put over Omega's credentials. Uh, Paige said that last year at Full Gear, Omega told Paige that he was proud of him. Uh, he said, like, good job, Hangman. I'm proud of you after their match. Yes. Which I felt was pretty underwhelming, but I think at, in, the, at, in the long con, that, that was smart. Right. Uh, Paige, uh, said, uh, Paige said Omega was afraid of Paige. He said Kane didn't want Paige to become what he has become and become the AEW World Heavyweight Champion. Paige said that he wanted to be the guy he wanted a handshake. Omega said that they should kill it at the pay-per-view. Omega told Paige he was proud of him. Um, yeah, I which, liked him throwing that in. Yeah, I thought it was funny after Paige was like, I knew you were in Condescending honest, so, bugger. Yeah. Omega went to the apron, then a camera guy hit uh, Paige in the head with a camera. And who is it? Oh my god, it's Don Callis. He's back. And Paige is bleeding, and they put some of the blood, Paige's blood on the contract and shove him down again. Yeah, um... I thought... I really liked this. I thought Omega particularly was great. Again constantly going after Paige's insecurities and failures just Smart. hoping to pick that scab off right because it's sort of the that's yeah, a that's, nice that's analogy a metaphor, right because yeah, yeah. he's or it's, analogy, yeah, it's yeah. whatever it's healed basically but so he's trying to pick away at it um in a last ditch effort to get in Paige's head because he I think Omega ironically is the one that's doubting if he can beat Paige right so that's what's really cool about this um, Paige's rebuttal right after now that Paige is like returned and he's like all confident and whatnot. Right, so it's like, man, I don't think I can beat confident Paige, so I need to but make Omega him non-confident. Omega has to put on the facade, whereas right. Paige can't. That's right. And so Paige's rebuttal was fantastic, and he picked up intensity as he went. And I actually did not see the cameraman shot coming; like it caught me by surprise, which I appreciate. So I like Callus's reemergence. It makes Omega seem even more desperate, right, to hang on to the title. Like, he needs to bring this guy back because he can't do this on his I own. I have realized Don Callis has not been around for a while. Right, he has. And, like, he's not. Is he still Impact? Like, no, thingy? I think he's backstage? done with Impact. No, uh, I don't know. I'd heard he's done, but I'm not sure. Yeah, because I know on screen they ended that, but. Yes, so I thought this was a pretty simple, straightforward. That's not bad when you do it well. And I think they did, like, a well executed final segment. Uh, between and these I guys was actually looking tonight. forward to this a lot, which it's a contract signing. Whereas in WWE, I groan. Yeah, so and, uh, if, so that says a it lot. It feels like a Hangman win is coming to me, but it's not a lock, right? Like I'm not guaranteeing it, it. I think it has to be a lock. I think this has been gone on too long. It, but the the thing that's making me a little bit gun shy probably is Impact because it was like, and I guess Alexander did win because that's what it felt like, right? You put so much energy in building up this amazing baby face that you have to follow through or it's kind of strange. Yeah, but I also think EW doesn't really have something like the Collier shot. So no. I don't think something like that will happen. And I guess technically Alexander did win. He just yeah, was so... champion for about 40 seconds. Right. Right. Um, I thought it was pretty good. I like Hangman finally getting his confidence and it showed through here. And I like them talking about their history together because there's, there's so much. Um, I like Hangman's dig and reference out Omega and Ibushi. Speaking of Ibushi, I've seen stuff and I agree with the statement that Hangman should kick out of the one-winged angel Ooh. at um, Full Gear. I think it'd be such a huge moment. Wouldn't diminish it a ton because nobody's kicked out of that in almost a decade. The crowd will go bananas. And I if think... you're ever going to do it, this is the time. Right, exactly. Yeah, like, I agree. And Ibushi only did it. Like, that was before Omega became like the Omega that we know today. Correct. Before he was like in Bullet Club. and Or I don't know. He might have been in Bullet Club. But before he became like the mega star. Omega. Yep. And so I think it would be it would just be such a great star making moment for Hangman. It would solidify his moment mm-hmm. here. And I, I think it would be really cool. I thought the sneak attack from Kaos was pretty good too. Like you said, very on brand for him and Omega as well. And the desperation showing through as well. A pretty good segment to end the show and the last build to this match, which 
it's probably one of my most anticipated matches in AEW because like this has just been building for so forever. long. It's, and I was satisfied with this yep. as a final thing. Absolutely, right? it, it's contract signs. Feels weird. Yes. Right. And I mean, it, technically, it did kind of erupt at the end because it, it did a little on. bit. But I was still okay with it yep. just because I'm so interested. The story's been so well done to this point, right? It, it, right. And sometimes it's like been actually building, like in this summer or as of late. And then sometimes it's like kind of off. Yes. But I think one way or another, it's been building for like a couple years ish. Honestly, feels like AEW assumes that their viewers are intelligent, so they can do things subtly. They can do things slowly. They can come back to things. Whereas AEW is like, they did all or sorry, WWE is like, our our fans are idiots. So we need to jam this down their throat. Right. We need to have commentary, talk about it constantly. We need to have this feud run its course in like three weeks or they'll be lost. Right. Where- and I doubt they actually did, but it feels like they've been playing this from the beginning because it feels so carefully crafted. Like yeah. even from something as such as like, hangman uh winning the casino battle royal and then losing to jericho like it could it could you could honestly date the start of this feud to that point if you wanted to right and like i feel they definitely long-term plan this at some point there's no but i don't think there's any way they could have planned this since the beginning but it feels like that's a possibility it's crazy how one carefully crafted one company has by far better in ring by far better storylines like by far better characters it's just not even they're close hitting point. pretty much all the boxes yep. except for american top team yep um so overall i thought this was yet another pretty strong episode of dynamite in ring the opener the main event jungle boy bowens and rush martin tag match were all good to excellent i thought then there was like a decent women's tag match and a wardlow squash the segments did a good job i thought of making the final push before full gear with the main event segments especially and then mjf allen video i liked the miro promo was good as well and then there were some post-match brawls to set up matches or to further tension, and I thought they actually worked, and I sometimes am just numb to all the post-match stuff, but I thought it was okay on this show. The only miss for me was the America's Top Team stuff. Uh, it wasn't as bad as previously, I agree, probably because it was shorter, but it's still my low point segment-wise. But I'd have to say from top to bottom, a few minor complaints, but nothing crazy. I thought this was another like uh, Canadian A-, minus, so that's about an 8 out of 10 for me. Um, so overall, I thought it was a solid show. Uh, the opener was a good match, a good opener choice. I once again didn't need the American top team in a circle stuff. The women's trails match was okay. Nothing super interesting. Soho Statlander segment was okay, but also not really needed. Jungle Boy Bowens was a solid enhancement match. Thought that was pretty good. The Omega hand- Hangman package was good, but short. The super quick interaction with Bobby Fish was cool. The Kings and Punk segment was cool too. Uh, Wardlow vs. Yuta was an effective squash. The parking lot interaction versus Punk, um, between Punk and Kingston was cool, too. Uh, tag match between Martin Rush and Sidal Moriarty was pretty good, if not just a good showcase for the debuting Rush. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miro's promo was uh, pretty good, pretty good too, um, and Dax vs. Pack was really good. And the main event segment was, a, it was great, too. And if you had to have a segment go last, like... This is a good choice. Agree. Um, overall, a solid show, but I didn't think it was anything great. Uh, I think it was above average. I put it at a B plus. That's fair. So close. Pretty close. Yep. All right. Well, that wraps up our AEW Dynamite review and brings us into our next segment where we'll talk about some other wrestling stuff in any other wrestling business. So I guess that's me talking about impact first. Sure. 
All right, so let's do that. So Impact Wrestling that I just finished right before we came down here and was struggling to stay awake in the main event. Not necessarily the fault of the main event, more my fault, just being old and tired. But So the show starts with a recap of last week's events, focusing mostly on the impending Mickey James, Mercedes Martinez knockouts championship match, as well as the six-man tag main event from last week with, uh, what was that, Suzuki and... Morrison Moose right. versus Cardona, Edwards, and someone. That's the one. So oh, we, Alexander. We start out this uh, show with, on paper, I was pretty excited, a number one contenders match for the Impact Tag Team titles. So it's the Bullet Club, which is El Fantasmo and Chris Bay. Hikaleo's with them at ringside, taking on Finn Juice. Really? Because I saw it was like, I think it's Bay and Hikaleo at the pay-per-view. So is this... Really? They can just switch? I, I, don't, I don't know. I, Free Birds I, rules? I saw it on Instagram, so I'll check quick. So this match annoyingly was made after Bullet Club came down last week, interfered in the Good Brothers Finn Juice match. So it's one of those like they get rewarded for attacking yeah, other teams. Yeah, it shows Bay and Hikaleo. Interesting. So they got rewarded for like interfering in a match and and making it a no contest. But I guess that's professional wrestling. But it still kinds of bugs me. And this should be a good match. So Finn Juice start out in control of Bay with basic offense and quick tags. ELP then causes a brief distraction from the apron and it kind of allows Hikaleo to drop Juice Robinson across the barricade without the ref noticing. Then some nice quick double teaming by the Bullet Club as they isolate Juice Robinson for a bit. Bullet Club set up for top rope moves but then because they're heels they just drop down and do back rakes instead. Uh, Juice fights back with strikes and he has El Fanta- or, sorry he and El Fantasmo are down. They finally both make tags and the pace picks up as it's Bay and Finley now in the ring. More double teaming by Finn Juice, including a running boot and side rush and leg sweep combination. So I don't know what happened to El Fantasmo, but he's gone from the apron as Chris Bay is sort of dominated by the baby faces for a while. He's up in the electric chair. He gouges Juice Robinson's eyes, gets a victory roll, but the ref is too busy dealing with things outside the ring. So he's not there to count. Juice counters that roll up. The ref comes back in time to count that. But El Fantasmo comes in, super kicks Juice in the face, and then Bay just gets the pin as El Fantasmo stops um, Finley. I almost called him Fit Finley from, from making the save. So Bullet Club get the win here and will face the Good Brothers for the championships. Um, the Good Brothers, of course, make their way to the ring after the match, and they easily clear the ring because Good Brothers. And Hikaleo right. then takes yeah, out Anderson. That's probably the least amount of effort for right. Gallows. Hikaleo gets in the ring, gets Anderson out of there, and then we get the face-to-face showdown between Hikaleo and Gallows. They brawl. Hikaleo sends Gallows to the floor. Bullet Club stand tall as Good Brothers retreat up the ramp. So considering the talent involved in this match, I thought this was pretty underwhelming. Um, there was some decent double-team offense from Finn Juice. Much like a couple matches last week, it felt like it was just getting started and then suddenly it was over. And without a real finishing maneuver in this case at all, just kind of like it, um, Robinson was seated and he just took a super kick to the face and then it was over. Um, and I thought that made <clears throat> excuse me, Robinson look kind of weak, um, that that was what took him out. And I really hope, and I phrase this purposely, I really hope the Good Brothers allow, because I really do feel like they have control over their own matches, so I hope they allow the Bullet Club to take the belts from them, because this tag division needs a shake-up right away. So two weeks in a row, I was very interested in the opener. Last week, it was a triple threat X division. I thought it was a four-way. 
was it four-way and multi-person anyways and both of and this one and they significantly under delivered for me so that's annoying the aftermath of this i thought was lame too since they want gallows and hikaleo facing off to be a big deal because they're big guys and it's simply not a big deal to me at least um so i have no idea who the baby faces are i mean in it the... might almost be as good as gallows versus doring right i, don't, I have no idea who the baby faces are in this match because bullet club Almost seemed like they were the baby faces during the post-match run-in by Good Brothers, but they were clearly heels during the match, so I'm a little confused on that dynamic. So Gia's backstage with Scott Demore. She asks Scott why Josh Alexander is not in the number one contenders match that's the main event tonight. Demore starts to talk about how hard it is to be the booker. Alexander himself walks up, questions the same thing. Why is he not in contention for the Impact World Championship? He had it, he won, and then he was sort of not duped, but it was kind of unfair. He was beaten while his family was in the ring with him. Demore tries to explain basically that he wants Josh to be focused on Minoru Suzuki. And he he's giving Alexander a match one-on-one -on -one next week. And once Alexander gets past Suzuki, he can get back to focusing on the championship. And I guess that's a plausible explanation, but they better not be cooling down Alexander. Um, after all the time and energy they spent building him up as an amazing babyface, for his win over Omega, I feel I mean, like maybe they are still build him back up. They to can, this. and I, I'm not too worried yet. I'm just really hoping that's not where they go. I feel like Alexander, whose character has been that of a guy barely in control of his emotions, I feel like he should be more upset by this interaction, right? That he should be more angry about being sort of moved away from the main event scene, even for a little bit, because the whole thing is like he's barely in control of his emotions and he's gonna snap and lose it. But he's like, okay. So you're pulling me out of the main event and making me fight another match first. Okay, kind of deal. Right. We then get a recap of Sam Beal getting his redemption with a win over Brian Myers on uh, before the impact last week. And then we get another segment of the most professional wrestler, Brian Myers. And this week, I didn't get what chapter it was, but it's called Leading by Example. Myers is then talking about his loss to Beal being embarrassing. He's talking to Zicky Dice and VSK. And Zicky Dice says that, um, it's okay because Dice won lots of money off of that match, so Meyer slaps him across the face. VSK then talks about the fact that it should be kind of would be embarrassing for Myers because VSK beat Beal by himself, and then Myers, because VSK is like the favorite of the one, so he instead of slapping VSK slaps Zicky Dice again, who's like, well, hey, why are you slapping me? Myers says that he'll take matters into his own hands. He wants Beal one-on-one with no one else there and that Beal is a dead man. The segment ends with Dice celebrating having the week off, which is kind of <laughs> funny because he's coming across as sort of the party guy. I think there was some reference to being in Vegas and being hungover and stuff. But um, So I like this less than most of Myers' segments, but it still wasn't too bad. Dice seems pretty comfortable speaking on camera and it's kind of interesting, whereas VSK does not. He felt quite kind of wooden and like not super comfortable speaking, but an okay segment. We then get um, Minoru Suzuki debuting in Impact, or not debuting, I guess he had a he singles, was, debut. singles debut yet, taken on Caleb with a K. Which so, I thought I thought that's a, on paper a funny combination. It is, and I was kind of just hoping to see Minoru Suzuki kill this kid for a few minutes at least, but no. Caleb's terrified as Suzuki's just kind of smiling menacingly in the ring, kind of like a half smile, it looked cool. And Josh Alexander is shown watching the match backstage. So Suzuki applies some holds and Caleb's escapes to the rope to start. Then Suzuki shrugs off some of Caleb's strikes, briefly applies like a real naked rear naked choke, but releases it, hits the gotch pile driver for the win in an absolute squash. 
um, I thought this was strange because I just wanted a prolonged beating, right? Like just to demonstrate how violent and vicious Suzuki is. So that's like, the opportunity they had here. I would almost prefer like he's pulling him up from pins, right? Just to beat on him some more, not like... Uh, it I'll does just hit, seem in line with Suzuki too, I'll just, right? I'll just hit a move so. and pin him. And nothing happened after the match either. Like, part of me thinking, okay, if it's that quick, they're building to something. But Like Alexander. I, I guess the point is Suzuki's a killer, but it seemed like a bit of a waste of time if you weren't really going to showcase Suzuki here. Gia then talks to Moose about the number one contender triple threat match, asks if there's any of the three that Moose is most concerned about, and Moose says he gets it. These guys are all mad at him for different reasons, which I think Impact's done a good job of. Everybody in this main event has some decent reason to be uh, mad at Moose and to come after him. So I like that detail was covered. He quickly summarizes the issues with each of them and then says he has three dangerous men gunning for him, but he's the champion because he's the most dangerous man in that locker room. He says the one who should be concerned is the one who wins the match because they'll have to wrestle, oh, sorry, they'll have to wrestle the wrestling god, Moose. Thought so this... now he's the wrestling god, not right. Omega? He's been doing that for a while. This was a fine promo about what you would expect from Moose, just that slow, deliberate delivery. Of course, he's not concerned about anyone. They need to be concerned with him. It was pretty short and to the point. I thought it was fine. We then get Decay taking on the undead bridesmaids. So this sort of stems from inspira the inspiration having issues with Decay and recruiting the undead bridesmaids to fight their battle for them. There's something they had a plan, right? To get ghosts to fight ghosts sort of thing. Ghosts? So are we implying that they are all dead? I think so. Undead, in fact. Right. So zombies, I guess. So Decay start out with stereo boots. Inspiration make their entrance, and they sort of sit on some stools on the ramp. Uh, Kimberly's in control of Rosemary after commercial break and lands a head kick for a two count. Striker calls the knockouts tag division stacked. Uh, quick rhyme off all the teams go decay yeah uh, the other people like the undead bridesmaids, bridesmaids inspiration. inspiration uh grace nellering i guess kind of um uh there was tenille and oh, rain but oh, tenille's evaporated yeah um tasha steals and uh savannah evans oh that's true that's um, stacked buddy stacked yeah that, i i'll i'll say that but anyway i thought stacked. it was i thought it was funny rosemary rises up sort of like undertaker-ish after a brandy lauren at loren sorry you mean attack. like someone who is undead and havoc tags in dominates loren back she's big backbreaker spear combo by decay for the win inspiration make their way to the ring rosemary yells something directly into the camera but decay just leave so kind of a nothing match I was then expecting something significant to happen afterward, but nothing did. So I'm not sure what the point of this was either. Decay is supposed to look strong, I guess. I don't know. I'm not a big fan. Heath and Rhino are backstage. Heath says last year's been rough, and he did it to get back and help out his boy Rhino. Heath says he's got his Rhino back, and Rhino has his voice back. So Rhino then speaks, says he remembers the last year, and there's poison in his mind, body, and soul, thanks to Eric Young. Rhino says he can't purge the poison alone, but Heath can help him. He says at turning point, he and Heath will help purge the poison from Rhino's body. He says he's going to rip all of Violent by Design in half with a gore, gore, gore. Gore, gore, gore. Gore, gore, gore. I thought Rhino did a fine job, really intense. I just personally don't care about the feud. And it seems like this is set up for another match that Violent by Design will lose, despite being violent and manipulative and basically a cult and brainwashing people and blah, just never winning. Never winning along the way. So I, I think it sort of sets up for Rhino to extract his revenge, I imagine. The inspiration are back. They say the undead bridesmaids had one job, one job, and they couldn't even do that. 
If they couldn't inspire the bridesmaids to accomplish one simple task, they'll just have to take them out of the Impact Knockouts Tag Division next week. Because the division is too stacked. It's too stacked. So I guess they're going to face them next week. The bridesmaids seem to now be the jobbers of this tiny division. I thought this was fine. Very short promo to set up a match for next week. Chris Sabin gets to talk. He calls Ace Austin an idiot for wearing his I Beat Chris Sabin t-shirt last week. But he wants to challenge Ace Austin to a match at Turning Point. He's going to take that shirt, shirt, wipe his butt with it, and shove it down Austin's throat. That's a gross visual, actually. Well, yeah, because then it's got all poop all over it. Yep. Yeah. Don't recommend it. I mean, if I were him, if he's going to wipe his butt with it, why don't you just shove it up Austin's butt? Uh, at least know, makes also sense. Weird. But uh, this was a short promo. I thought Saban actually sounded a lot better than he often does because I'm pretty critical of him doing promos. Um, and I definitely have time for a Saban-Austin match as long as they get enough time to actually do what they can do. Both super talented, so I'm fine with that match. Uh, recap from the internet last week. Where Scott, <laughs> that's all I could say. Where Scott Demore made a match between Madison Rain and Mercedes Martinez after Rain was complaining relentlessly about everything. So at least they recapped the internet storyline, I guess, because I will never watch it. And Madison Rain is a great whiner. I think I said it last week. The voice she has is just piercingly i mean annoying. i don't know why you're not gonna watch the internet stuff you're gonna miss the pr- most prestigious title in all pro wrestling that'll come up i still Digital don't media understand championship. it yep so we get madison rain uh which is tenille dashwood 2.0 because tenille's still just vaporized and i've even searched like where's tenille dashwood what's nothing i i don't know what's happened but anyways she's probably off at a club dashwooging people so it's madison rain taking on mercedes martinez um and rain does not have caleb with her because he got murdered by suzuki a little bit earlier tonight and again still zero mention of tenille where she's gone or how rain has just replaced her and stolen her gimmick and entrance and theme we get a delayed vertical suplex early on by martinez rain later counters a razor's edge into a lung blower and then a backstabber rain stays in control with some slow methodical offense here in the middle portion striker gushes over a cravat by madison rain and calls it the move of the night so far. <laughs> okay. A cravat. I mean, Suzuki has a gotch pile driver, Like, it's but basically sure. a modified headlock. And it's like, he was uh, amazing. Anyways, Martinez hits I wonder a... if it's like a Jerry Lawler and the Attitude Era thing, you know, with the Divas. I guess. He hits a... <laughs> uh, Martinez hits a pretty nice Tiger driver to stop Madison Rain's momentum. DDT by Martinez, but a swinging neckbreaker um, in response from Rain. Blockbuster by Rain for two. High knee bar- by Martinez. Rain goes for a ripcord cutter, but Martinez rolls her up for the win, which I was not not satisfying at all for me. Rain attacks after what even the. Is Martinez's finisher? She has. Oh, I forget what it's called. It's um, I believe it's. I, I can't remember. She did it in the tournament that I watched that Impact Knockouts Knockdown show. Um, look it up if you tell me what it's called. You you can probably find it. I want to say it's out of like um, an outsider edge or a razor's edge could be, but I don't. Anyways, you'll, or out of an electric chair, you'll find it. Rain attacks after the match, hits the ripcord cutter to leave Martinez lying. Goes to get a chair, but Mickey James runs down because she's just the noble baby face. She is a baby She face. wants to face the best Mercedes Martinez Out 100%. Possible. Yep. So she runs down to make the save. And then suddenly Martinez, like as James is kind of helping her up, I like this. Uh, Martinez hits James with an air raid crash. So it's like... That was her NXT finisher. To clarify the heel dynamic, I guess. The match itself was actually pretty good, but I think they really missed an opportunity to make Martinez look strong here like she did in that knockdown tournament. This match could be as competitive as they want, like it was, 
But for me, Martinez has to win decisively with a strong finishing sequence, right? Like let her string two or three power moves together and decisively win because she's the next challenger for the title at their next whether she wins or not and rain would have not been hurt by a more decisive loss here martinez for me should be presented as a killer and she wasn't here she struggled to beat madison rain and had to do so with a roll-up so i wasn't a fan of how they decided to do that um not how i would have planned it at all but the sudden attack of mickey james afters helped me recover a little bit so Macklin's backstage, he's angry. He talks about how no one on the roster has been able to beat him. He says he deserves to be in the X Division title match. Trey Miguel interrupts him and says that if he wants to be pinned or submitted, all he has to do is ask. Because Macklin's point is the only match he didn't win was a triple threat. He wasn't involved in the pinfall. So he, right, he is which he unpinned. Didn't, the only match he didn't win was the one he didn't lose either. Right. So Scott DeMort just happens to be there. He asks what's going on. Trey says he likes Macklin's attitude and he wants to make this a triple I threat match. I would like match. to assume everyone is always just there at the segment. So then like, if they need to, they can just walk in and interrupt the segment. That is the move. They're so all hiding behind the camera. Trey is babyface fighting champion. He thinks the triple threat should happen. Demore says that he likes Trey's moxie, but that he's the one that will be making matches. So he says that if Macklin can beat Laredo Kid next week, it'll be a triple threat for the title at Turning Point. So I thought there was nice intensity from both Macklin and Trey, and I'm tr- critical of Trey on the mic sometimes. Although Macklin basically just talked about how his only loss came in a triple threat. And now he's trying to get in and on triple threat, right? So that's a little bit, but what can you I do? I mean, Tyler's only a opportunity. Shot, I guess. Yes. Uh, Macklin Laredo Kid match should be good. And if Macklin beats Laredo Kid, which I don't, I think like he should, but then that's kind of weird because Laredo Kid's going into a title match coming off of a loss, right? So, anyways, the triple threat between those three, if that's what we get, would also be fun. So, Morrissey's pacing backstage ahead of his match in the main event tonight. Then Sam Beal's backstage with, with um, some back knee. with Rich Swan and Willie Mack. Lots of back knee on Morrissey, my goodness. He says, that is Sam Beal, he couldn't thank Myers enough, but next week when he faces Myers face-to-face with no notes, and it'll be a true challenge. He says he's seen Myers up close and personal. He was at ringside for Myers' Impact World Championship match, but this he has to do on his own. He can't have Rich Swan or Willie Mack there for him. It's him versus Myers, teacher versus student, Beal says he's bringing everything Myers taught him, and maybe, just maybe, he will be the one to teach Myers a lesson. And I don't know what it is. There's something likable about this kid, Sam Beal. I think he's a really good, naive youngster trying to navigate, like, the complicated world of professional wrestling, right? Like, all of the politics and the relationships. And he's just this wide-eyed, naive kid, and somehow it works for me. I'm not sure I would have had him break away so decisively from Myers yet. I think there was some still some legs in that story, but we'll see where this goes. We get another update from the internet where Rohit is yelling at Rocky Romero about not belonging in Impact and getting what he wants from management while Rohit is constantly overlooked. And then that set up a match that is next. It's Rohit Raju versus Rocky Romero. Again, we're getting lots of Rocky Romero this week on the podcast. Fast start with holds and counters yeah, to, he's a, everywhere. to an early stalemate. Romero takes control, follows Rohit to the floor to hit a leaping forearm off the ring steps. Back from a commercial, and now Rohit's in control with chops and hard Irish whips. Rolling neckbreaker and a fisherman suplex combo by Rohit for two. Rohit chokes Romero on the ropes as the ref pulls him away. Um, what's his first name? Singh. Uh, I forget. Oh, Raj Singh. That's what Sorry. I was going to say. Raj Singh continues the choke as the ref's distracted, so he's choking Romero with his shirt at this point. 
Rohit attacks Romero's ref left arm before the forever clotheslines from Romero. We get a second rope double stomp to Rohit as he's hanging in the ropes. Satellite DDT by Romero for two. Jumping flatliner by Rohit for two. Raj Singh then distracts Romero, Romero who releases an armbar that he had on Rohit. We get a running slice bread by Romero for two. Rohit then counters another satellite DDT attempt with a high knee that always looks nice and hits his drive-by running sort of kick for the win. Really good TV match. Rohit is just an excellent wrestler at this point, and he's so fast, and so is Romero, and they worked really well together, I thought. This was my... Another good one for Romero. This was my match of the night, along with the... I thought this and the Madison Rain match were the, were the two, and Mercedes Martinez were the two best. Uh, Singh, I thought, was good in his role, too. Again, he just interfered enough, um, and it wasn't too much. And I enjoyed this match. I thought it was good, and Rohit is fantastic. He's too good to stay on impact next time his contract comes up. No offense, Impact. Rohit's going somewhere else. Johnny Swinger's backstage. Yay! With Hernandez. And now you know my least favorite segment of the night, because it's this one. Hernandez says he can help Swinger with his problems, and Demon right now is his problem. Not Finn Balor, the Kiss Demon from 90s WCW, in case you were <laughs> unclear. <laughs> Hernandez, not, not even Demon Kane either. Hernandez has a match set for next week against Demon and two others. Swinger says a two-on-three match isn't much of a favor, but Johnny Bravo shows up and says he has someone who can help them. Swinger doesn't think that Bravo will be much help, help Sorry, but Bravo reveals he wasn't talking about himself. He was talking about Fala Ba. Just A-list all the way this segment, right? <laughs> ba wants to help Swinger so that Swinger finally owes him something because Ba was had a gambling problem and always owed Swinger, right? Because he was in debt at the casino. I can't believe I'm recapping this, but that and is remembering. This is a catch-all feud to keep a bunch of lower card talents busy. That's what it feels like to me. Likely to masquerade as comedy. I say that because Impact intended a lot of things to be comedic that are not. And this is probably going to fit in there too. I don't have any interest in it. Chelsea Green then talks about how she should be the number one contender for the Digital Media Championship. And how beautiful the title is. She says John Skyler cheated to beat her for the number one contendership. But Skyler lost that title match. So now they need a new number one contender. She then announces, I guess that's her job, a number one contenders match that she's in with Matthew, Matthew Raywalt, Jake something, and Alicia Edwards. Chelsea warns Jordan Grace that she's coming for her title and she better watch out. So I thought it was fine. Green did a good job. I still don't understand this social media title. Impact seemingly have no plans to explain it to me or anyone else. And when somebody was directly asked Jordan Grace on the show last week or the week before about what it meant, she was like, I don't know, basically, right? So I don't, it like, is this match on the internet? Is this match on TV? I don't know. Should be on the internet, right? Probably. But anyways, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with this championship, but I guess we'll see. Main event time. Very few notes on this because I was struggling to stay awake. Uh, number one contenders match, Eddie Edwards versus Morrissey versus Matt Cardona. So Edwards and Cardona go after Morrissey right away, but they each end up taking a boot. At one point, they show us Moose is up high in the rafters watching this match and scouting, I guess. Morrissey dominates a lot of this match. The baby faces eventually have to team up. It leads to like a Tower of Doom spot in the corner at one point. And then near the end of this, Edwards takes out Morrissey on the floor with the Boston knee party. I think it was off the apron. Yeah, I remember them mentioning it. And then Morrissey's pretty much done from the match at that point. Back inside the ring, Edwards hits the same Boston knee party to Matt Cardona and pins him for the win. So Eddie Edwards becomes, yet again, the number one contender for the championship that he's never going to win, but that's okay. 
I thought it was a pretty decent triple threat main event. Some of the parts with Morrissey in control for lengthy stretches were pretty slow. It's basically power move, walk around, basic stuff, power move, walk around. They have realized that this guy can't really wrestle, so they have not put him in a singles match since he's been, since early on arriving. Come on, Cass. It's always tag matches and multi-man matches. Um, it's weird. I don't remember him being that bad in WWE. He's not but terrible. Now but that I hear myself saying that, he's not it's great. also main roster WWE. So. Yes. The plan was to make Morrissey look like a beast here, I think, even in the loss, and they did that for the most part. He was he looked pretty, pretty not good, but he looked dominant, I'll say. Um, and he has a built-in feud with Moose ready to go as well if they need to pull the trigger on another contender for Moose. I'm not thrilled with Edwards winning. This is just like rewarding the good hand because we don't really have a plan. We, we've got a delay going back to Alexander, so we'll just put you in there. We need a baby face. You have no chance of winning, but here you can have a, a title shot. So I really think, I really hope that this main event scene again circles back to Josh Alexander Moose because Edwards Moose is not an exciting matchup that is not going to put butts in seats as they say overall decent but not great episode of impact opening tag match should have been better the suzuki squash of caleb should have been better um the women's tag match was not very good but i did like the women's match with mercedes martinez i the main event was fine and i liked the rocky romero rohit match was probably my favorite swinger bravo ba segment was a waste of time everything else segment wise promo wise was at least okay nothing really standing out as amazing so i would say this was a pretty typical b minus show it wasn't a chore to watch it but there's nothing i'm saying anything needs to rush out and see either so a b minus which is a canadian seven Nice. Yes. Uh, and then I don't know Rampage. What we watched, Jungle Boy, Bobby Fish, right? That's all I saw. So that was a. I thought that was a good match. Jungle Boy won, obviously, with the snare trap that he kind of had to apply with one arm because Fish just worked his arm. No, and then at, for most well, and then of the, at the end, he kind of made it into more of a choke. Yes. Like he was using both arms, I think. Um, and then post match attack, right? Adam Cole runs in to beat down on Jungle Boy. They set up for a concerto, but Christian Cage and Lucasaurus run in for the save. And then Cole leaves the ring, and um, so there you go, right? Cole kind of abandons Fish there, and Fish ends up taking a I kill switch. I did pick up right? on that. I, although, if you're Fish, I don't know why you wouldn't get out of there. Yeah. Um, then we had a video package for Miro Danielson that was good. Cargill beat Santana Garrett in two minutes. Uh, the only interesting thing there is Red Velvet was watching from ringside, and at one point, Cargill basically throws Santana Garrett right onto <laughs> Red Velvet's lap and a couple of plants as well. And then post-match, Velvet is angry she spears cargill there was a cake there i forget what the cake was for but anyways i think it was one year at was that maybe jade celebrating one year in uh, AEW? anyways i don't the even cake, know if it's been a year because i feel like the shack thing was the cake ends up in mark sterling's face and then cargill and velvet brawl and refs break it up dante martin defeated aria davari a pretty entertaining match i think they said both of these guys were local because the crowd was really into this um, it was pretty a pretty entertaining match, I have to say. Afterwards, um, what did we have? Uh, Team Taz come to the ring because Starks was at commentary and they offer and Dante... Rush was absent. They do offer Dante Martin a spot, right. Um, Starks tells him to read it over and they'll be waiting. Martin doesn't really commit to it either way and that's all I watched of Rampage. Anything you wanted? Oh, did we want to do our preview here, right? Yep. So next, uh, I did construct... Uh table thing for our like AEW nice full gear 2021 preview and predictions uh the buy-in match or the pre-show match will be nyla rose and jamie Hader versus hikaru shida and thunder rosa 
Um, I went with Sheeta Rosa because I don't really care about this in their baby faces, so momentum for the tournament, I guess. I also will take them. I just feel like they're the bigger names in this, and it's on the pre-show, so they'll just sort of... They don't have anything It'll bigger for them like right now. It'll be kind of like a crowd hype thing. Yeah, and they, I think that's they're going to want these guys to win, and they are the more focused on talent, right. so I would take them as well. Uh, Pack and Cody versus Malachi Black and Andrade. El Idolo. It's interesting because when we go to make our predictions for WWE main roster pay-per-view, which I don't watch, I pretty much nail them, right? Right, and so for me, I went with Pack and Cody Rhodes because it's Cody Rhodes and it's unlikely he loses here, but it's one of those things I I would love to be wrong. Mm. I, for the sake of difference then, I'll take Malachi Black and Andrade just because... And you love Andrade. I do love everybody in this except Cody. This is like three performers. And Cody's good in ring. I don't mind. And if Cody ever turns heel, I'll love him. But um, I'll take Black and Andrade. I'm just, okay. I'm not sure, but I I hope they win. Um, Next, Super Click versus Christian Cage and Dra- Jurassic Express. Fall cunt anywhere. I went with the Super Click because I refuse to pick Christian Cage, especially when... Uh, it's against Adam Cole. I'm not going to bet against Cole. And I, I, uh, in a more real sense, I feel like the Super Click are still pretty new as a unit. Yes. And I don't think they should lose here. And I feel like um, like Cage and Jurassic Express don't really need a win here. I totally agree with basically everything. I don't think they're going to want Adam Cole losing yet. I think that because I think Omega's losing the championship, they'll give these guys a win here. Right. So I'll take Cole and the Young Bucks as well in what should be a really fun match. That I should must be say. fun, yeah, uh, compared to the other no DQ mm-hmm. tag match. Um, next, Darby Allen versus MJF. Um, this is one of, the, one of the trickier ones to pick for me. Um, but So here I really want to pick Darby Allen. He does seem like kind of the logical pick. But for me, since MJF did mention world title contention a few times, and I really think Hangman will win and need some heel challengers, MJF is one of the best choices yep. right there, right? So I think he's going to be in line for a world title match. I don't think he should lose before that. So I think he should be winning. And so I, I'll uh, go with MJF. Unfortunately, I agree. I think MJF is just positioned as... And Darby can take a loss. It exactly. doesn't really bother yeah. him. Yeah, like where... there's no real reason he needs to win. No, and with the way MJF talks and the way he's being presented, it feels like he needs the win more. Especially, you're right, if they're hoping to push him up into the main event sooner I mean, who than knows? later. Maybe he isn't the f- next in line, but he could be one of the yep. next in line. I mean, at least after the whoever wins the tournament. Yep, but... so I- I'll take MJF as well. Uh, Inner Circle versus Men of the Year and American Top Team Minneapolis Street Fight. <laughs> um, I picked the Inner Circle because... And... This is what I wrote. You really think men of the year and a bunch of MMA guys who are on the roster are going to be go over Chris Jericho, Chris Jericho and the inner circle? Like, come on. I'm taking inner circle more because I just want America's top team to leave. Right. Like, I just want this. Okay, that is the culmination of this feud. It's over. You guys can go back to your day jobs and we can just have wrestlers wrestle. Right. Yeah, that, that's fair. That's and a, there could that's be some... I'm a little intrigued by this because there could be some really bad stuff in this, right? Like sometimes when these MMA guys have to not hurt people for real, they struggle. So we'll see. That's true. That that does happen sometimes with the worked punches. Yes. It's it's not usually great. Uh, next, CM Punk versus Eddie Kingston. I went with Punk because I think he'll probably be undefeated for a good while. I really don't see Kingston as the one to end that, and he can handle a loss. Punk is not losing here, and Eddie Kingston, as you're saying, can eat losses all day, and it does not matter at all for right. him. So Punk's winning that one. That's probably sure. my like lock of the show. Right. Uh, for me, also the main event seems like quite a lock. Uh, Lucha Bros, FTR, World mm. Tag Titles. This one, not a lock for me. Really? What are you saying? 
I'm saying Lucha Bros. FTR don't really need the titles, especially after winning the AAA tag titles. And Lucha Bros. reign is still getting started for me. A couple of one-off defenses on Rampage doesn't mean much. And I think they deserve a good run, which I don't feel like they've had yet. And uh, I don't think um, AEW is going to go for any two-time champions yet. Unfortunately, I think I'm going to have to agree with you again. Lucha Brothers, they need more time because they've kind of not been focused on a and they're lot. one of the best tag teams AEW has right and they went unfocused for a pretty yes. long period and if it were wwe i'd say, wwe i would say that's because they don't like them so that's they're gonna get the titles off of them but i don't think but that's, that's just because the they case. had other things to do like i think the bucks yeah. deserve that long run i yep. think that works so i yeah and ftr have championships that they can still run around and brag about right and so, defend on dynamite occasionally like yep. they already have so I, i'll take lucha brothers as well uh Britt baker versus ty conti women's championship sorry uh, this one's a lock too <laughs> yes i'm obviously gonna go with baker i yep. think conti is good a good contender to be baker but i think that's in the future this at is, the very least this right? is her opportunity to show she can hang right, right exactly she's this a viable is where she can yes. show she can hang as much as she has improved this year don't get me wrong she she's, definitely has a ton she, has. she still isn't quite at the level where she should be the main champion yep like maybe she could win the tbs title. i think that'd be a good spot for her until Agreed. she gets the main event i also feel baker deserves a long run after the great work she me did too. to get to the title and doesn't feel like she's had her time yet and i think also another potential a candidate to be Baker is Thunder Rosa. So I think for me, it's between Rosa and Conti, but it's definitely not now. I think Rosa is the person that takes it from Brit and that this is just Tay getting more exposure. Ty, sorry. Ty. Whatever it is. And um, yeah, basically for people to be like, wow, she is really good and she is a threat. And then they can come back to it the later. Exposure. Because the money is Baker and Thunder Rosa again. That's yep. where the money's at. That's when the title's going to change and they're just filling time until they get there. Right. Uh, next, Brian Danielson versus Miro in the AEW World Championship Eliminator Tournament Finals. And this is definitely the toughest one to pick for me. This is a tough there one. There are good arguments to be made for both guys. On one hand, you have Danielson, who is still undefeated and going on one of his greatest career runs yet, in my opinion. And assuming Hangman wins the main event, all right? Assuming he wins. Danielson versus Hangman would be would be epic and a great win for Hangman to be the first to beat Danielson. I think that's a, a dream match of sorts at this point. Right. On the other hand, you also have Miro, still relatively fresh off of a off of his uh, TNT title loss to Sammy Guevara, and he's in need of some redemption. He was thrust in this tournament thanks to John Moxley taking an absence to go to rehab, and the tournament win would do him a great favor here in his road to redemption, but at the end of the day, I think he will still come up short against Hangman. Mm -hmm. So since I think Miro will lose either way, either he loses here or he wins here and loses to Hangman, I think he should just lose now, and Brian should win the tournament and face the champ. And also, if Brian wins... Like, it's, let's say Omega wins, then Brian versus Omega is the better match yep. than Miro versus Omega. Brian works out better for, like, either potential scenario of the main event. So I'm going to go with Brian Danielson. I am also taking Brian Danielson because... And I want to actually think out a lot. For me, it's because he's been in this tournament the whole time, right? And Miro's been yeah, added... Yeah, I didn't even touch on that. Miro's been added due to an injury, so it doesn't feel like they're going to, like, hey, we have to throw Miro in, so let's have him win now, Right. Let's erase the plans we already made. So, and I think Danielson's not ready to lose yet. And I think Danielson's also the, the character he's playing. He can wrestle baby faces or heels. It doesn't matter, right? He's just here for the competition. I really feel like the, the heel uh, Miro versus the heel Omega, that does not clash well. Right. But Danielson could wrestle a heel or a face. Like Danielson, exactly. Hangman, no problem. Right. Right. So I'll take Daniel Bryan. Uh, Sorry, Brian well, Danielson. Wow. Sorry, wow. Brian Danielson. I'll take the American <laughs> Dragon. Yeah. 
Uh, and then we arrive to our, the main event. If this is not the main event, I will throw a hissy fit. Oh, bit. please. Of course. Um, Hangman Adam Page versus Kenny Omega for the AEW World Championship. I went with Hangman Page. For me, the pick is so obvious. If they had had this match all out, the answer would still be the same. This may be one of AEW's longest running and best, if not one of the best, storylines that they've been running. You can date it back to the beginning of AEW if you really wanted to or around there. I think... Like, the recent moment of Hangman winning that casino ladder match was just perfect. This is undoubtedly his moment. The world title changes in AEW don't come often. In fact, there's only been three world champions so far. Right. It's been almost a year since the last world title change, and I think this is really the time. I think it's Hangman's moment. They I, really made a star out of him, and this is it. I wish I could disagree with you, but I am also taking Hangman Page. If it were WWE again, I think they would, would swerve us for right. the sake of swerving us. Just like, they oh, you guys, the pooch on A, it. you think he's going to win, and B, you want him to win. <laughs> eh, right. right? But he's gotten organically over. I feel like there's there has to be a he's payoff. Ride in a horse. Has to be a payoff to this, and I think it's now. So I think this is Hangman's time, and uh, I think he's going to be a great champion in the crowd. Your time is go up, bananas. my time is now. <laughs> yep, so I'm taking Hangman Adam Page right, as well. and that is it for our preview thingamajiggy and hopefully you remember and that is it for, for any other wrestling business show. as well so moving yes. into our final segment of the week and every week and that is jack updating us on the world of wrestling action figures and figuring it out with jack um and so they did some like full gear-ish reviews yesterday it wasn't a lot actually i was expecting like a little more it it was basically just some images revealed uh, but we had some Proto images revealed, uh, mock and proto images for EW Unmatched Series 2, uh, includes MJF from Revolution 2020, which I think is when he faced Cody Rhodes. He's got, like, this nice robe, uh, for his entrance gear, but it is, it does look like it's rubber material, which is garbage. <laughs> like, you just, the arms are trapped there, and they're awful to take off. They, just, they, they are awful. They just don't As work. the person who has to take them off when they're brand new, they are awful. Yeah. And the head scan, it, it does have a bit of his likeness, but it's not the best. Right. Uh, next, we have Ty Conti. Um, she is from Dynamite, uh, March 31st of this year. Uh, she has one expression that's just, like, kind of monotone, or it's, like, kind of determined, mouth closed, and then one of them's kind of like a slightly mouth open, teeth showing kind of smile or a grin. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's nice green attire. Uh, next, we have... Uh, Wardlow from February 19th, 2020 episode of Dynamite. Uh, Black single with the green logos. He's got a screaming expression and then like kind of a more mute expression. Uh, so that's nice. Uh, first time in the line for him and Conti. So it's it's always nice to get newer people. Absolutely. Nice but, for them too, man. I think it's cool when people get their first figures. Right. And I, I always like um, the new people and then also getting some uh, repeat repeats too. Unless... Uh, as long as it's not like bordering too much, which it is for Cody and Jericho, I would say. Yeah. Um, next we get Sting from the Luminaries collection, which seems to be their rendition of Jack Pacific's classic superstars line, or like a a legends line of sorts. Yep. Uh we have uh Sting. Uh he's from Winter's Coming twenty twenty when he made his debut, which was garbage. And he's got like the Sting shirt where it says Sting. It's got like the cross bats and then his face underneath and the AW logo on top. Big fat rubber jacket because everyone loves that. And he also comes with the baseball bat. Uh, that's cool. The packaging is a little different, like a little more like shiny blue and like a purple outline around the, the like the plastic where you can see the figure, like uh, of the viewport, I guess. So it, it is it is a bit of a packaging difference. It does have the Luminaries collection logo instead of Unmatched collection. 
even though it is lumped in with the Unmatched series. And then we have Santana from the July 1st, 2020 episode of Dynamite. Uh, he's got, like, the, you know, he has, like, the straps down, uh, suspenders. Yep. Um, he has that, like, around his waist and, like, with the orange. And then his pants are camo. And he uses, like, the same kick pad and knee pad formula as Kenny Omega. Comes with a screaming uh, head scan and then, a, a, like, an angry head scan. Just, like, mouth closed. He's got, like, a black headband. Like, he, this one has more hair. Like, his, his first one is his Unrivaled 4 figure, which I saw at Walmart recently, so that's good. It's <laughs> it's when he had more of a shaven head, like, early days of AEW. And so this one's cool. He, he has um, open-handed um hands which are just skin tone hands and he has fisted hands his right hand is a black glove and then his uh left one's like a puerto rican flag or something yep um so that one's pretty cool um and then we have ortiz in the matching orange and camel gear i think he has the sock bat again what was that called no wait that's not what he does not have that it's just like a thing hanging off of do you remember what the sock bat was called like or it has tennis balls in the sock that's what it was the mad ball that's what it was yeah. yes um he has uh like these weird like pose hands and skin tone and he has black gloved hands with some orange decal on it he's got like um he's got this uh, like teal headband on and one head scan's like, like kind of like a like that weird open mouth expression he makes with like the tongue out and the other one is like kind of like a um it's like a closed mouth expression with uh like that weird face he makes as well scowling it's like he's like on like snarling I, I guess I don't, it's hard to explain and then he's got like his trousers are up or like suspenders or overalls that's what it was yep. overalls yep and he's also got the camo as well orange shoes he doesn't have those weird feet mold shoes that his first one had and then the rare one of 5,000 variant is going to be uh MJF uh, it's a different gear from dynamite uh December 30th of last year he's got uh, this one comes with the scarf instead of the robe in a headband as well and then he's also, both of them just, I think, have a microphone. I can't tell if this one, I don't think this one is the diamond ring, but I I can't tell. And we also have Sting, which is the 1 of 5,000 Chase uh, variant, uh, which has just, it's a scorpion design on the shirt, and then it says Sting. So literally the only difference between this and the other Sting is the shirt. And this one is from Double or Nothing this year, which was when he beat Men of the Year like a big old idiot. Um, and then we also got images shown for Unrivaled Series 7, but that's not really new, so I'm just kind of glossing over that. And then we got proto mock images for the Blood and Guts ringside exclusive Unrivaled, uh, Britt Baker. So she's got the one head scan, which is kind of like smiling, and then that one is, oh, uh, re-released from the, um, from her Unmatched Series 1 figure, the tires from the Lights Out match. Right. Um, and then the other two scans are one is mouth closed with blood on it, and then the other one's kind of mouth open with blood on it. And she comes with like that, the uh, cloth T-shirt with her bloody face on it, and it says like role model. So that's kind of cool. She also comes with like the gloved hand and whatnot. So it's pretty cool. The blood scans look pretty nice. Um, she doesn't have like blood on her the rest of her tire like the Cody and Dustin did, but I don't think I think that's more of an accuracy thing. So I think that's pretty cool. I think it's an interesting line because I like WWE does not do that. No, definitely. And not. It, there's a reason these are ringside exclusive. Like it's definitely not something you're gonna want to, like that. I guess like average consumers would want to see in stores. In the like, toy the, aisle. Right, the same people that child. like freaked out over Al Snow with head. Right. If you um know that, but like like they just freaked over like a because they thought it was like a dismembered head when it's right. just a, a mannequin. Yep. So I think that's pretty cool. And we got some mock images shown. For, which is mint on card for those who don't know. Basically just means in package images. Um, for the ringside exclusive, it's like the Hasbro retro style, Jay White. There is a black tights and red tights variant. That's kind of cool. But 
one of his hands is like the switchblade thing, so mm-hmm. that's kind of useless because it's not like interchangeable. It's like one of those retro figures. And then there was an accessory pack 2.0 revealed for, um, for uh the EW figures on my or on match. I guess it doesn't really matter. And also pop up entrance stage was announced. Those are also up for pre order now. The accessory pack, whereas the first one was a barbed wire one, uh based off of Omega Mox match. Right. This one seems to be more general. It has a ladder, a breakable table, a steel chair, a sledgehammer, and a breakable barrel. It doesn't sound quite as interesting as the first one, which was that barbed wire one, but it sounds cool too. I, th- I just like that they do do these accessory packs. Um, and then the pop-up entrances, I assume, will just be like a dynamite stage or something. Cool. And then also there is a contest for full gear, a giveaway contest. You can win uh, one of the un- Unrivaled 7 of Chase figures. There's the rare... Lance Archer, the Chase, neither row, so I'm going to do that once I'm done. Nice. And if you want to do that, don't, because I want to win. <laughs> if you want to do that, don't. Do not do that. That's I'm just everything? kidding. Um, yes, that is everything. All right, well, that's going to bring us to the end of episode 69. 69. We will be back either tomorrow or Monday with the full review of AEW Full Gear, so that keep an eye out for review. that. <laughs> I keep saying I'm not going to keep doing Ring of Honor because they're about to be done, but I did do it last week. And I it mean, if it's an actual show. Got a bunch of views and listens, so I may go back to, uh, yeah, if it's an actual episode, I'll probably watch it and talk about it, so you can look for that as well, usually on Monday or Tuesday. So thanks for taking any time out of your week to listen to us down here talking about wrestling. We look forward to seeing you back here for the whatever we put out next. Definitely back next Saturday for episode su- episode 70. Wow, that's crazy. Very nice. But anyways, thanks again for listening. Feel free to reach out to us, fnswrestling at gmail.com, fns underscore wrestling underscore podcast on Instagram, or leave a comment on YouTube if you so choose. We promise we'll get back to you. We appreciate any feedback we get. We'll see you next time we see you. And until then, take care.